Blog Talk Radio.
Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we, I praise you, I praise you, I praise you, and I pray that everybody praises you with me, Father, for you are glorious. You are glorious and awesome, and you are just, uh, Father, we cannot give you enough praise, honor, glory, Matt, just dominion and power we wish for you, Father, we call down all of the blessings from all of the heavens, from all of the universes, from the entire kingdom of God upon you, Father. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for everything that you have done for us. We praise you for all of our chastening. We praise you for the fiery trials that are to try us. We thank you for the, different, the, the difficulties in our lives that have brought us low that have brought us low, that you might be able to build us back up. Father, we have not arrived. Well, I don't think we will arrive, and we do pray together. As it says in the Scripture, Father God, in Matthew eighteen nineteen, it says uh, that, um, again, I say to you, Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And, Father, together we pray. In Jesus' name, that you will count us worthy. Lord Jesus, that you will count us worthy. We know that we're not. We aspire and truly, from the bottom of our hearts, pray that we will have that instilled upon us and anointed into us, into our very being, into our spirit and our soul. A contrite spirit, one of great humility, long-suffering, that understands that we are not worthy, just like Isaiah wasn't worthy, just like um, all of all of the uh, uh, patriarchs that that reached out to you that were uh, mesmerized and blown away by the and Stephen, even who was mesmerized and blown away by the parting of the heavens and seeing your glory. 
And we cannot even imagine what it must be like. We've had people here, as you know, Father God, on this program that have been taken to heaven, that have been in the throne room, and they weren't really able to articulate the glory. They would, they could say things like love was everywhere. There's no way I can explain to you what it feels like, that you can step on grass, you can breathe underwater, the grass will grow, you know, will not turn brown. There's no decay. The colors are in, the, in an untold number of uh, millions, if not trillions, of different colors. Uh, you just... The, the music that comes out of everything that is uh, in heaven, the uh, people that know us, that have known us, that we don't even recognize uh, as part of our lives here on the earth, but love us and give us gifts uh, that are just perfect gifts for us, as if they've known us forever. And we know, and we thank you, Father God, from, from the bottom of our hearts for even revealing to the hearts of babes what the most likely reason for that is. And we embrace that reason because it makes a lot of sense, and it certainly lines up with uh, so many, so much of the information that is in the Apocrypha, so much of the information indeed that is even in the uh, King James, uh, or I'm sorry, the Texas Receptus version of the Bible. And we praise you, Father, for helping us to understand um, all these things because they add up to such a glorious outcome where we know the thoughts that you think about us, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good, to bring us to an expected end. And we look forward so much to that expected end. Father, we, we see the evil that is happening across this earth. We really don't want to be a part of it anymore, but we want to serve you because we love you. And whatever it is that you you may do, Father, we encourage you. We pray that you will. If we need to have refiner's fire, please refine us. If we need to be chastened, please chasten us. Straighten out our direction in whatever manner is necessary that we will not miss. We will not miss the opportunity to be part of your bride and to stand in front of you, Lord Jesus, at the wedding supper. Oh, Lord, we come before you in accordance with Matthew 18. 19, and we pray together in unison here on this earth, looking forward to that promise that you gave us in that scripture, that it shall be given to us by our Father, as Jesus said. And we pray, Father, please, Lord Jesus, please count us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you at the wedding supper of the Lamb. We want this more than anything. We pray this more than anything. And we know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we are absolutely unworthy for such a blessing but we have that hope because you have given that hope to us through your word and that word is our lord jesus and we stand by him he is our friend the lover of our soul ani lodoti vadoti li ani lodoti vadoti li to all father we praise you and thank you for the days that we are in right now we thank you father god for we are your beloved and our beloved is ours and we cannot wait for that opportunity till the full of the Gentiles is brought in, which we believe, and many of us, you know, right or wrong, believe is so close that we can almost, well, we certainly feel that in our spirit we can feel it. And um, without knowing whether it's months, weeks, or even, unfortunately, could be years, uh, Father, we just pray that you will continue to anoint us, infuse us with a supernatural power, uh, infuse us with a supernatural peace that passes all understanding, inject it, in, imbue it within our very existence and our soul and our spirit can can you know uh, continuously renew our minds that we are able to walk in perfect harmony or as close to perfect harmony as is possible in the state that we're in with your holy word getting joy from the from the very promise that just maybe we are the way that we feel the way that we act the way that we are conducting ourselves here on this earth the way that we're praying for the lost the way that we're repenting of our sins with a contrite spirit that we may be in alignment with your holy will 
That gives us great joy, Father God, because we know that we're unworthy and we pray so much. We, not only that, that we are counted worthy to escape, but also, Father God, that we are, are um, uh, in, in some sort of a supernatural way directed according to that narrow path. Not only the narrow path in the sense that we're practicing righteousness and holiness and, 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 and doing the things that, that are in harmony with your holy will in our lives, but also, Father, that we are fruitful in our endeavors, that, that you will place upon us through, through an anointing of the Holy Spirit that we may not even be aware is happening at the time, just the right words to say and especially the words that we shouldn't say. Let us lead through example. Let us lead through love. Let us lead through behavior of Jesus. Let us lead through the love that we show for one another and never push anybody beyond their capability of understanding in days such as this because people are on guard and we don't want to cause any discord amongst the brethren. And we thank you, Father God, for this anointing. We praise you for the days that we are in right now. And we pray that you will lead us, that you will place us on holy ground, that you will help us to pray for one another, Father, in the name of Jesus, and that there will be a tenfold blessing in Jesus' name of divine protection upon any of those who are working in the workplace. It's one of the most difficult places to be right now on this earth in the state that we're in right now. And, Father God, we pray that those who don't have to work, that have a little bit of extra time on their side where they can pray for those of us who are, we pray that they will, Father, and that you will abundantly bless them, abundantly protect them, and heal them of any of their ailments. Heal their eyes. Heal their hearts. Heal their blood. Heal whatever part of their body. Fix those, 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 uh, um, those vertebrae, Father God. Take away the pain that is in their backs. We pray, Father God, for one another... And in the name of Jesus, that your holy fire will surround us on all sides, intermingled with a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit and a thorny hedge of protection, that nothing unclean will reenter or touch this clean-swept house. We declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, shall be struck by the holy fire of God at the very moment that they set their wills against us. We declare that that holy fire will vaporize all earthly or spiritual weapons, all fiery darts in the mighty name of Jesus, and we plead, Father, with the courts of heaven for a platoon of warrior angels to be signed to each one of us to shut down all demonic portals, to shut down any indirect threat vectors that may come against us. We declare your holy fire to vaporize all earthly or spiritual weapons. We pray in the name of Jesus that any of these spirits that would allow other spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us will be struck by the fire of God and that warrior angels will descend upon them to strike them, death blind and dumb, place them under arrest and cast them into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld that pit shut and we plead the blood of Jesus. Jesus, to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. We thank you, Father God, for anointing us with this holy fire. We pray in the name of Jesus that these angels will be guarding us, making good eyes blind, good ears deaf all throughout the week, and that we will operate under open heavens. We pray that you will divinely, through the power of mighty angels, keep those heavens open on our behalf, wrap every utterance of praise and prayer in your holy fire, making it extensible and burning the demons of darkness that they would scatter in all directions, coming nowhere near us, making a public spectacle of them in accordance with Colossians 2.15. In Jesus' name we pray, and now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy, and to you, and to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So I cannot more highly recommend, of course, I do this all the time. And, you know, there's it's not about um, it's about having a more complete and comprehensive understanding of uh, how do I put this? Let's just say that there were a couple of people, not not a humongous amount, but a handful of folks that were very. What would be the word? Glad. We'll just say that they were glad and they felt that the prayer vigil was, you know, not just a regular prayer vigil, but there was some dialogue that I shared in the beginning of it. The one, of course, from last Friday. I'm sorry, it was last night, indeed, uh, because I was feeling very, very under the weather, sick. I was sick. I was sick. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically I was buckled over in pain. The amount of pain I had in my lower abdomen was something that I have never experienced before. Let's leave it at that. So anyway, um, uh, but then, you know, I started to get better throughout Saturday and I decided to do the prayer vigilly the last night and I shared on that radio show my feelings, okay? And they're grounded in uh, scripture, okay? Praise God. Uh, and um, uh, in regard to how we ought to be thinking about what's going on over in the Middle East, I'm going to keep it short tonight. I went into great detail on that. You only have to listen to the first hour, and you will be um, filled with all sorts of ideas that you can consider and also read the Scripture and seek the Lord on it. But um, in a nutshell, it's a setup for World War III. I'm not saying – I'm not going to make the full – foolhardy mistake that was made by Alex Jones when he discovered the crisis actors at Sandy Hook. That was a mistake. It's not all or nothing. It's not A or B. 
It's not C. It's always going to be D, all of the above. Did it happen? Yes. Was it horrible? Yes. Did everything that they said happen? Happen. No. Okay, so what happens is crisis actors, lies of the media, things like that are used to exacerbate the magnitude of the problem to get people to get become bloodthirsty and start to you know to chant, "We want Gaza wiped out. We want every single you know person in in Gaza to be. We want that place to be leveled." They, you know, they, to try to rally world behavior, you know world opinion in the favor of uh, what they already intended to do. Now, um, I'm not going to get into all the intricacies. I did do that for about an hour on the beginning of uh, last night's program. And if you want to hear all the details, you are welcome to do so. I I definitely encourage you to do that. Um, My one little tidbit of advice that I would leave with you is that we are citizens of heaven. This isn't for us. The only thing that we do when we look at the, the events that occur across the world, we don't get involved. We don't go marching. We, we don't take sides. That's not, our, it's not who we are. We are sojourners. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that were taken out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, First Peter 2.9. Okay? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, loving kindness, you know, we got to understand who we are. Okay, we're not a part of the foray, the shuffle, the sides taking, the guns, the violence, and all the things that are happening across the world that are going to get ever more intense. If you're friends with people in Israel and you're getting text messages and you're hearing their fear in their voice and, oh, God, pray for me, oh, Lord, you know, Father, oh, my God, oh, my God, I feel sorry for you. I really do. I know what it's like to have people all over the world, you know, talking to you. And, and it is a blessing to have people that live in different places, including Israel or maybe even Gaza, if you if you know some people there. Um, just remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And also remember that Israel and the United States of America are the two most judged countries in the Holy Bible. Doesn't mean that God doesn't have a special place for the people in Israel. He certainly does. Doesn't mean that it does. You know that the Bible doesn't say, uh, you know that uh, in Hosea two nineteen, I will betroth thee. Okay, um, Chuck Misler used to say that Israel is God's wife and the bride of Jesus Christ. Us, we are Jesus's wife. Okay, which I think is pretty accurate. And a lot of things are going to prophetically happen to Israel. Things are going to change. But we don't, you know, at this time, we got a lot of uh, Jews that are not Jews in the play. George Soros is a Kazakhstani Jew that is a Jew that is not Jew, not a Jew. So is uh, uh, Zelensky. See, people get confused. They don't understand that concept. They don't know that it's called out in the, in the book of Revelation, that we're warned about it. Uh, Most people don't realize that Hitler had a lot of Jewish men on his kill squads in the SS, but they weren't. They were Jews that were not Jews. You understand? Okay, these were Khazari. Okay, and I'm not going to get in and split hairs over this. And I certainly admonish people strongly. I pray in Jesus' name that you don't make the terrible, terrible mistake of pretending like you know who's who and is you all the time. I mean, it's easy to tell. Things like Soros and Zelensky and some of these other ones. Zbigniew Brzezinski is probably one of them. Uh, I think the list is pretty enormous. But on the flip side of that coin, we can't really, we don't know who's a reptilian every single time unless somebody rats them out. 
unless somebody saw them shapeshift, unless somebody saw them at a satanic ritual cer- ceremony and turn into a reptilian. You know, uh, there. You know, when we get the testimony of the people that have seen these things happen, then we have that insider information. But we don't have those magic sunglasses that they had in the movie they lit. We don't know who the terrors are for sure. Although we got a pretty darn good idea, because if we follow Jesus's lead and we judge the tree by its fruit, wow. I mean, there sure is a lot. There's a lot of indication that doesn't guarantee you that they're not being held hostage by the global satanic crime syndicate, the Klaus Schwab's, uh, King Charles and all the other entities that sit on the board of directors of Satan himself here on the earth. We don't know. We don't even see many of these entities, many of these Dracos. Uh, as Bob Deagle said, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton is a nine-foot-tall Draco reptilian. He said he's one of the most, she was one of the most horrific things that he's ever seen. I don't know if he said exactly like that, but that was the point that he was making, and it was pretty horrible. And it's true. Don't even get me going on what happened with the Frazzle Drip thing. I don't even want to go there. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to envision it. I don't want to watch any more Hannibal Lecter movies. I am past that point in my life and my backslidden times, and I just don't want to be a part of it anymore. Whatever things are true, whatever things noble, whatever things are peaceful, whatever things are beautiful, whatever things are – that's what our, where my heart wants to be. That's where I want to be all throughout the week. I don't want to focus on these things. Now, should we be aware? Should we be wise as serpents and be aware of these things? Absolutely. If somebody says that, you know, uh, Mike Pence was uh, seen at a satanic ritual ceremony and did horrible things, we shouldn't be surprised. We don't have the sunglasses from David. So we should be attentive. We should be watching for when that, for when that thief is, is trying to sneak into our house, just like Jesus used in that parable. You know, if, 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 you know, if the servant had known when, when, you know, when, 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 the, uh, when the thief was going to come, he would have kept his eyes open and looked out the front window and, and watched. Okay, we're all supposed to watch eat, therefore, we're supposed to watch and pray. Praise God. That is not a question. That is not an ask. Jesus wasn't asking. He was commanding us to watch. All right, so anyway, we're, we're doing what we ought to be doing, but we have to really be attentive to our feelings, okay, because there's a lot of different pieces, moving parts to this dynamic that's unfolding in the Middle East. Don't even get me going. My prediction is the same as many other predictions is that the Ukraine's essentially going to be forgotten. And that Russia is going to go ahead and move uh, across the Ukraine and take whatever they want. Um, Zelensky is going to go to the wayside because at the end of the day, this is just an estimation. I, there's no way. This is an order. This isn't the ACA of the Lord. This is a – we'll call it a sanctified hunch. The Ukraine attack, uh, attack against Russia failed. Okay, they, they, The entities of darkness tried to use that as a proxy war to poke the bear hard enough that the bear would attack and allow for NATO to attack, okay? Um, You know, uh, Article 4 really is the one that allows them, not Article 5. Everybody always says it's Article 5. It's Article 4 is the one that, that, you know, they were really trying to get Putin to violate so that they could move in. But anyway, it didn't work. It didn't work. Now, what's going to happen next? Well, one thing is many, many pundits are saying that they believe that the uh, funding is going to trickle and nobody's going to be interested anymore. All the funding is going to go over to Israel. Look, when you have an entity as sick and twisted and foul and abominable and as sodomistic, uh, what is that thing called Justin, uh, you know, uh, Trudeau? What is it? What is he? See, at this point, I think it's very safe to make the estimation that it is not human anymore. 
Most of these entities go through satanic sacrificial ceremonies of different types, just like the skull and bones entities, which crawl around inside of coffins full of all kinds of human output. We'll leave it at that. We'll call it output. And they roll around in it. They writhe in it. And they cry out for powerful entities, indeed space aliens, okay, as uh, as Alex Jones puts it in his uh, dialogue, which he's right. Because the reptilians essentially are fallen seraphim. They're fallen angels. And yes, as far as somebody here on this earth would be concerned, they are space aliens. Okay? And there's a lot more of them. There's millions of them coming. Within, with the Nibiru, uh, the destroyer, uh, you know, the Tyke star system that we already have in our solar system at this time. This is why we're seeing second suns like never before. The sky trumpets from the bowels of Sheol are back, and they have nothing to do with the trumpets of Revelation. So just smile and pray for those who say things. Look, whatever it takes to get people to, to seek Jesus and to get on their knees and to repent of their sins and to, to avoid being cast into the Great Tribulation, we can hope, can't we? We can pray for them, can't we? Maybe we're not able to open their eyes. Maybe we've crossed that line. I got to find that um, that scripture. I shared it a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh, well, let me see if I can find it. Bible. Um, let those who are holy be holy still. Revelation. All right. Hold on a second. Revelation 12:11. So in Revelation 12:11, I'm going to call it up over here on my PC Study Bible. Revelation 12:11, we have. Hold on a second. Oh wait a minute, that's not where it is. Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Oh, I did it again. Typo. Dag Nabit 22:11. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. So it has this really interesting verse there. It says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He, is who, he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. You know what's interesting is when you see Revelation 22, it's kind of a misfit set of verses. Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work. These are summary scriptures. Summary. It's almost like Jesus had told the whole, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the John the Revelator and all that other stuff, and all these visions and things, and the angels and all that, were given this amazing view you know, prophetic, humongously and amazingly and stupendously and supremely awesome view of the end times, but heavily metaphorical in many cases, yes, but also heavily literal in other cases. And it's very difficult for most people to be able to discern between the two. That's because they lack understanding who's who in the zoo. They don't understand that there are alien beings involved. They don't understand that there are actual alien beings that are not part of this universe, that are not part of the fallen angels involved. They don't understand that the beings that God sends to earth for his judgment in Revelation 13 are not fallen angels. They don't understand that. Same thing with uh, Joel. Um, Joel 2. So it, it creates a, a chasm in the understanding of the interpreter. And they don't they don't know what to plug in where, so they make off they make 
incredibly inaccurate, uh, you know, assumptions. And heaven forbid if they're a preterist, they'll say all kinds of wacky things. Oh, that happened back in the 1400s when Frank Finkelberry uh, jumped off the, you know, the uh, whatever pass and fell into the chasm, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, no. So anyway, literalism rules right now. It is the king. It, it, I mean, as far as uh, interpretive uh, skills of the Holy Scripture, as far as Bible exegesis, but you do have to know who the players are. If you don't understand who's, who's, who's who and is who, then you're not going to ever figure it out. And that's just how it works. Now, all that being said, when you get to Revelation 22, it's almost like a summary statement. It's like you've read the book. You've heard about all these different things that are going to happen. I mean, chapter one and you know, chapter one, Jesus gives the report cards of the seven churches. You know, chapter two, you know, uh, this happens. Chapter three, this happens. Chapter four, you know, and it just goes in all these different things. Chapter twelve is kind of a summary statement that is highly metaphorical that talks about the bride, but it also talks about Jesus, right, and all these other things. And then chapter eleven is about the two witnesses and the fire shooting out of their mouth is the Zechariah two five fire, which is a type of weapon that is being used, and you know, and all this other stuff. And, you know, anyway, and but then at the end of this big, long story with all these different chapters, it like there's a ribbon that gets tied on it. It's a summary. It's after you read this amazing story, there's this summary that comes up in 22 where Jesus says, and now that you have heard the rest of the story, behold, I come quickly and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work which are behaviors. Okay? You understand? They're behaviors. And we went over this on one of the prayer vigils when I did a, a deep dive on the talents and rewards and how it maps over to Galatians 5.19, which talks about our inheritance and whether or not we will or will not receive inheritance due to our behaviors and whether or not we practice those behaviors. There's a ton of stuff, you know, that we cover a lot of times on the prayer vigil that I don't have time to cover on these shows. But anyway, I just wanted to share with you a little bit. This is very important, Revelation 22. Okay? Because then it says... It, then it says, uh, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Now think about that for a second. If that's a summary statement regarding the book of Revelation, let's just pretend for a second, for example, that it is. It's a summary statement. It's, it's a conclusion statement. It's a wrap-up. It's a put-a-ribbon-on-the-book. My summary of Revelation. And it says, he who is, you know, filthy still, whatever, let him be filthy still. Doesn't that sort of imply, like, where we are today? I mean, right now, if we try to explain any of these things to our moms, our dads, our fellows, our brothers, our sisters, the people in the church, whatever the case is, what happens? Well, they either go into a state of denial and start calling us names and conspiracy theorists. They don't understand that Obama is the Antichrist. They don't have any of their foundations correct. And everything that we say to them just paints us out as some kind of a raving lunatic. It almost kind of echoes this scripture. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. It definitely echoes the scriptures in the parable of Matthew 22, where the first group of servants, which would be us, were sent out to invite people to the wedding, but they were not willing to come. And they said, oh, fooey on you. And they went back to their businesses and their farms, and they did not accept the invitation to the wedding. But then the great king sent out other servants. Why would he have to send out other servants? Why would there have to be other servants? 
because the first group isn't here no more. Let us all pray that we are counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon this earth because we don't want to be here. We don't want to be here when the day of the Lord occurs. Don't even get me going on quoting, uh, I forget what scripture it is. I Just if I forget, I apologize. But there's a scripture that is basically comes right out and says, you know, what kind of a nutbag would want to be here for the day of the Lord kind of thing. You know, I used to think, there's a lot of things I used to think that were wrong. Speaking of which, a little bit of a trumpet fanfare here, praise God. All right, that's enough of that. Um, but anyway, um, is this night's topic? So I was reviewing, as I sometimes, as I do a lot, okay, in case you haven't guessed, I have a type of, it's not like, oh, I think the door's unlocked, i got to go back home. It's not like, you know, check into a psychiatric institute and stay there for three years while people study me. It's not like that. But I do have a little bit of OCD. You know, I, I want like, for example, if I put like different soups into the into the cabinet, I want them to all be faced, faced up. Don't like, you know, I want all the Campbell soups in one row and they all got to be facing direct, directly at me, just like in the grocery store. I don't want any gaps between them. You know, in the back, I want you to face them up and I want you to pull them toward the front. I can look over the cans and tell if we need more Campbell soup, tomato soup. If it's celery soup, I want that in its own row, faced up. If it's Progresso soup, I want all the meatball Progresso soup in the same row. I want all the same stuff in the same row. I don't want to have to rifle through them and be spinning them around trying to figure out where the onion soup is. We don't have any onion soup. I want it to be obvious. I like things to be faced up. I like things to be looking the same way. I want to be able to see the front label. I, you know, I, you know, I want the mustards to be over on this shelf. I want the hot sauces to be by the mustards to the right of the hot, you know, and that's how I am. It's a little bit of obsessive compulsive. We all have a little, I think not all of us do. Some people are, some of us just are in total disarray in all manner of thought. And that's fine. We're all part of the body of Jesus Christ. None of this is meant to be a dig on anybody. It doesn't make me any better. In fact, it probably hampers a lot of me, what I could accomplish, what I could do if I wasn't spending so much time spinning Campbell soup around. But anyway, the point is, um, uh, you know, because of that, and, and it's only with certain things. It's only with certain things that I'm like that. There are other parts of my life that are absolutely in disarray. <laughs> Anybody who knows me and has been over your nose. Like, Johnny, what are you going to do about that? Look at that. That's a mess over there. Oh, I'll get it. To, I'm the king of procrastination. I even just bought a book on how not to procrastinate anymore and the advantages and how much better you'll feel about things. Like yesterday, I got some stuff done that I've been putting off and putting off. I'm the king. I am the king of income tax return. Um, what do they call that when you defer to October? <laughs> Extensions. That's it. You know, and then I, the other day I was like, oh, man, I know the day is getting close. I had to actually do a web search to find out when the drop dead deadline was for the extensions. Unfortunately, it's tomorrow night, but I did get it done yesterday, which I'm glad. I actually did feel good, just like the uh, procrastination book said. If you just dig in and get it over with, you're going to feel good. You're going to be beating your chest. You're going to be in a good mood. Now, I wasn't feeling good when I saw my homeowner's insurance upgrade, not upgrade, but upcharge. They, they're now charging me another $110 per month to keep it i don't know how much long i can deal with this before i got a bail i don't know i might bail uh, it, the hard part for me 
is when I do bail, I'll be downsizing so much. It'll be the equivalent. It's significant. I'm going to have to leave all my furniture here. It's going to be a change of life on a magnitude that I'm just simply not accustomed to it. I haven't lived in an efficiency apartment since I was in my 20s. And, and let me tell you, if you move from a 2,000-square-foot house down here in Tampa, Florida, to a colonial-style house in central, southern central Pennsylvania, let me tell you something. It's going to be like moving into an efficiency. There aren't no king-size beds that fit in those bedrooms. No way, no how. So my puppy dogs are going to be like, they're either going to squeeze onto my uh, queen, if I can even get a queen in the room, and and, I, and and that may not even be possible. So I don't know. I have to change everything. I'd, I'd have to rebuy everything. And then I also have to face, what if I get a job? What if Cod Terry's and I have to get another job and drive to the Baltimore airport to fly to client sites? Can you imagine having to be on a plane at 5.30 a.m. in the morning? You wake up. You're like, oh, man, what if it snows? What if it, you get like a weather report? So I don't I wouldn't have, you know, for if I downsize to that point, I won't have a garage. And besides, if it's if it snowed three and a half, four feet the night that night while you were trying to grab a couple of hours of sleep before you got to drive the ninety minutes to the Baltimore airport, they they say on the maps, you know, it's an hour and fifteen minutes. That's a lie from Saint and let me tell you something, it's it's never that. It's always it's a lie. I've done it too many times and I can tell you it's a lie. But anyway, um, you know, can you imagine what it's like? I mean, think about it. I, you know, I'm, I live, I've lived in Florida, Florida for like 37 years, okay? I, I'm 10 minutes from the airport. If I get an Uber, in 10 minutes, that Uber can drop me off at my gate. I mean, I have to walk to the gate, which probably takes another three minutes to do on top of the drop-off time, but no. I mean, literally from my the, the end of my driveway to the gate where the airplane is taken off is 15 total minutes. That ain't the case. If I moved to Pennsylvania and downgrade to a little bitty colonial house built in 1930. And you think you got maintenance on a house that was built in 79? <laughs> Buy a house that was built in 1930. <laughs> okay. When things break, oh boy, you got to know special kinds of mechanics. Because they got to be able to do like calisthenics and, you know, play twister and stuff to be able to get into your unfinished basement through some hatchway on the back of your house. I mean, you know, if they're if they're like 10 pounds overweight, they can't get to your furnace. And you probably think, oh, come on, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. For anybody who's dealt with the colonial houses in central, southern central Pennsylvania, all over Pennsylvania, all over the northeast, the houses that were built in the 30s and 40s, the houses like, uh, like our buddy uh, Ralphie lived in, in A Christmas Story. Remember the little single beds that him and his uh, little brother slept in in that one room? Remember that? Do you? Those houses are small, man. Real, real small. Um, and it's tricky, too, because when you look on Zillow at the houses, they're using these, like, extreme fisheye wide-angle, well, maybe not fisheye, but the most wide-angle lens that you can possibly get. And I used to be into photography, and uh, I, yeah, 28 millimeter wide angles. And let me tell you, they will make a room that can barely fit two recliners in it, Look like you could put three sofas in it, full size, okay? But that's because they're they're doing it on purpose. You actually have to go on a, 
on-site physical tour of the facility to be able to see how small it actually is. They make the backyard look so doggone big, you're like, wow, I can throw Frisbee with all of my white might, and my boxers will finally be able to have some real fun Frisbee playing. And you get there, and you're going like, whoa, wait, hey, I can't even fit my lawnmower back here. So anyway, um, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. That's a lot of bit of an exaggeration, but it still makes my point. And then you wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning. You, your plane is taken off at 5.30. You don't have a garage. And your car is under three and a half foot of snow. And, oh, by the way, the only, the only parking that you had for your house because of where it was positioned on that particular street was on the side where an alley is. Oh, and by the way, did you know that when the snow plows go through, they don't do the alleys? And if they did do the alleys, all they would do is push the snow up over the top of your car. So now you got to unbury your car, you got to defreeze your car, you got to break into your car, and if you do get in and, and by some miracle of Jesus you can get the engine turned over, okay, then you got to look at the road and say, whoopsie daisy, I've got to dig a path from where my car is all the way onto the main road because the snowplow just put a seven foot tall gigantic mountain known as Everest in front of my car and the main road. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, and you got to do all this before you start your journey on the frosty, cold, slippery, black ice highways all the way down to the Baltimore airport. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, it's funny. There's this old saying, the grass is always greener. You know why? Because it's fake. So I don't really know what I'm going to do. It's so attractive to get everything paid off. There's so many things about it that I like. And then when I do a real reality check and I start to look at all the different moving parts, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this smart? What if I get up there and my family doesn't want to see me? You know, I go up at Christmas time and everybody wants to see me. Come to our house. Come to our house. Can you spare time on Monday afternoon to come over? Maybe we can have a couple of cookies and talk to Marianne. And you haven't seen Dawn in a while. And yada, yada, yada. And a little bit of Stromboli here and a little bit of Stromboli there. And this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, and, and you're like driving all around. And it's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of Christmas music playing and stuff. And you're pumping the brakes, you know, going down these hills because there's ice everywhere and everything else. And you finally and – and everywhere you go, everyone is just see you you know and, and it's a great thing and you know it's just like that that song you know oh there's no place like home for the holidays it's just like that song you know but the problem is what about later you know once i made the mistake of actually going up on christmas weekend nobody wanted to get together you know what they told me christmas is over john I had just spent $1,300 on a rental car and on plane tickets to come up and see my family. And the answer I got was, well, Christmas is over, John. (laughs) I kid you not. So I can see myself sitting in a little 1930s house with these tiny little, you know, 8 by 10 bedrooms that can only fit like single beds, you know. You know, in this bathroom from like, you know, the 18th century. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm shivering in the cold and I'm looking around and nobody wants me to come and visit them. And it's like they've forgotten about me because Christmas is over, John. 
So, you know, you really do, you, you got to do some soul searching. And I thank goodness for my obsessive compulsive disorder because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't think about all these things. Why would I assume that this is the last job? The job that I have right now is the last job I'll ever have. As a matter of fact, I'm starting to pray for a new job now. I don't know what it's going to be, and I don't know if it's, if it's going to be. God might want me to shut up and buck up. And that's fine. Praise God. So anyway, on that note, I just wanted to jump in and let you know about all those things. Uh, Throw a little bit of comic relief over the wall to you, uh, but also jump into the radio show and let you know, and that's why I played the trumpet fanfare a little bit, that because of my obsessiveness over things that I see on the radio show, things that are happening, wondering if they're going to go down exactly how we thought. One of the things that occurred to me was that I better take another look. This had nothing to do with me talking to Rachel Baxter. Not at this time. This was me doing some preliminary checks on some of the things that I've been talking about the last couple of years. That's all it was. Just me doing some checks, checks and balances. When was it that Aurora said that the jets are going to shoot two tactical nukes into the Fordow facility in Iran? When was it that North Korea was going to attack and sink a United States aircraft carrier and attack South Korea? When were these things? You know, I was trying to tee them up and think them through a little bit. And then it happened. I read the Rachel Baxter prophecy that is that uh, vision or whatnot. Uh, that was uh, published on Z3 News, and I read it very carefully. Now, it had a photograph of a nuclear bomb in it. But when I read it, her words very carefully, I didn't see anything about a nuclear anything. So then I thought, oh, my gosh, I've been telling people for years that the first event, the event that jettisons us into the World War III is going to be the nuking of Chicago. Now, I've got other evidence that there is going to be a nuke set off in Chicago that is unimpeachable, absolutely amazing, astonishing, jaw-dropping. Wow. Okay, the mass graves. Uh, you know, I could play the audio bit, but I don't, we don't have time tonight. So there is other information that indicates that there may be a nuke in Chicago. Okay, when that is, I don't know. And was that tied to Rachel Baxter's prophecy, like I thought, because of the photo that was chosen? And I'm not picking on anybody at Z3. I think that they do a fabulous job. What a wonderful repository of amazing prophecies. All right? I think it's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. But my eyes were drawn to that nuclear explosion. So then I got in direct contact with Rachel, and Rachel said she wanted to take it to the Lord and pray about it, and she agreed to come on the show tonight, and that's what we're doing tonight. Do I know what she's going to say? I don't. I have no idea what she's going to say. For all I know, she's going to come on the show and say, well, you know, I took it before the Lord. I cried out before him for three days, three nights. I fasted before him, and I got a word from the Lord, and the Lord said that in Miami, everybody's going to get a bunch of yellow chicks for Easter. And then I'll be like, oh, well, that doesn't make for great radio, but hey, thanks for going before the Lord for us all. <clears throat> you know, and of course I say that tongue in cheek, but my point is she did go before the Lord. She did seek him out. She did see if the Lord had more information to give her, and she is revealing it to us tonight. Is it going to reveal anything nuclear? Maybe not. We have no idea. So you're going to be surprised just like I am surprised. But we're very pleased and 
blessed by Jesus to have her joining us tonight and tell us what the Lord, you know, at least expand on it to some degree. If God didn't give her all the details, like Jamie Vernon McGee said in his book, you know, Through the Bible, that's fine. But it would, I think it'll be a blessing to know a little bit more about whatever this trigger event is that jettisons the world into World War III. Uh, all right, so, th- so blessing there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's move into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you so much, Vera, for your feedback on this sound. Praise God. I thank you, Jesus, for both of them. Uh, they cover for one another. I don't even think they realize that they do cover for one another. But there are days that, you know, Vera's got things going on because of her, her own challenges in life. And same thing with Justin. So, uh, But between the two of them, thank you, Jesus. At least I have some feedback. Like I said, I actually one time did an entire prayer vigil for two hours. Nothing. I was talking into the mic. It was just me by myself. Blog talk wasn't recording. Nothing was recording. Nothing happened. Nobody heard nothing. Because I didn't have any feedback. I just assumed it was working. All right. Praise God. So anyway, on that note, um, let's go ahead and blast through this news. Hallelujah. All right. First up, praise Jesus. Uh, Jihad declared. Now, we all know about this. Hamas calls for global Muslim uprising against Israel on Friday the 13th. And we all know that that was a dud. Now, does it mean that there weren't like gazillions of people in Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and and Iraq and all over the place and all over Egypt, whatever, that that were all protesting on behalf of, uh, you know, the Gaza and all that? No. Were were the protests not worldwide? Yes, they were. Okay, so again, we know that there was that and there was a couple of people that were knifed. But come on, if you're calling for global jihad, you'd think something big would happen. And I'm sorry, but if, you know, I don't mean this to sound bad or anything, but big to me is like Oklahoma City bombing big. And if it's going to be something smaller, it better be on all the news worldwide. But it wasn't. So that was a flop. All right. I'm sorry for anybody that got hurt during the event, and I'm not suggesting that there won't be other events. However, um, I definitely wanted to, uh, you know, point out what I guess is the obvious, which is that, um, uh, you know, that it was a dud. All right. Hold on a second. Uh, There's one thing. Okay. Hold on. And yeah, there it is. All right, I want to. Oh, I got to flip the switch. Hold on. No, doggone it. There we go. All right, I just flipped the switch. Okay, so anyway, so uh, I don't know if it was the Tonight Show or what show it was, and quite frankly, I don't really care. But I'd like you to hear the new fake John Fetterman. Doesn't look like him. Barely at all. And listen to him talk. We know just by the way he's talking that it isn't Fetterman. But let me go ahead and play this for you real quick. This is absolutely ridiculous. You all should need to know that America is not sending their best and brightest, you know, to watch. Okay, you just heard what this entity said. 
What he said in that, what, three seconds of playback was more than Fetterman could squeak out in an hour. (laughs) Okay? So we know that this is another fake entity. They tried with another fake entity, and then people were calling out the fact that the tattoos weren't on his own. Oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Land of rubber masks, shape-shifting reptilians, and all kinds of sick, perverted evil. I just wish we could get off this alien demon-infested rock. Hallelujah. All right, this is from Lindsey Graham regarding bombing of Iran. He means it, and he wants it to happen. So let's go ahead and bring this up. Double-clicking it again, and here we go. Ah, Hold on a second. Uh Uh-oh. America is not. What is going on here? I've been having this problem with the computer all day. Try it again. There we go. God's sake, tell the Ayatollah, if you kill one hostage, you launch another attack uh, by Hezbollah against Israel, we're going to blow your industry off the map. Iran Hamas believes that the Jewish people should die as a result of religious teachings. We're in a religious war here. I am with Israel. Do whatever the hell you have to do to defend yourself. Level the place. You hold the source of the problem accountable to Ayatollah. And Iran is a religious Nazi. I would let him know unequivocally if this war escalates, it's coming to Iran. In terms of Hamas, kill them all. Uh, Gaza is going to look like Tokyo and Berlin at the end of World War II when this is over. To Iran, if this war escalates with Hezbollah, uh, we're all going to come after you. At, at one, in one particular uh, word from... Uh, you know, Lindsey Graham, he said, level it. You know, that, those were the, you know, level Iran, just level it. Start bombing it and just level the entire country. All right, so I'm not going to get into a commentary about that. You heard it. You know why they want to do it. You get it. I, I, I don't need to, like, you know, give you every little detail. I'm sure that you're wise as a serpent enough. Your 1,000-milligram red pill is still working, and you have a pretty good idea why they want to do all these things. They've wanted to take out Iran for a very, very long time, and they're already bombing. Uh, uh, Israel's already bombing the heck out of the Damascus airport to prevent transports of uh, military goods and stuff like that in and out uh it there is some there's a lot of activity from lebanon they're using uh israel's using drones to go in and take out uh 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 hezbollah uh encampments uh just north of the border there's a bunch of missiles that are being launched by hezbollah across the border into israel so there's a lot of activity going on and uh again we just need to watch but we need to stay disengaged because we are not from here We are not staying here. We are to keep our minds stayed on things above, on the Lord Jesus. And, you know, I'm not going to get into Psalm 91, but it's all in there, too. You'll have a thousand fall at your left hand. You'll have ten thousand fall at your right. And with your eyes, you will look and see the reward of the wicked. We are living those times. Does it sound mean? Yeah, it does sound mean, but that's how God, look, uh, Isaiah 26, verse uh, 26, 29, is it 26, 29, or is it 26, 9? B, it says, "When when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. I think it's Psalm 162, verse, I can't remember, and now I'm mad at myself, but anyway, it says, at midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. They're righteous. Why? Because they end up bringing more people into heaven than ever would have made it without them. 
Journalists say that no evidence of beheaded babies exists. The Israeli journalist says that he saw no evidence of any Hamas beheaded babies during a media tour of the village. And by the way, this is only one report. There are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of these reports all over the place. So it, as a matter of fact, believe it or not, the young woman who... Uh, did the original, the most popular, we'll call it the most popular report. She was on the, on the scene. There was a lot of commotion in the background, and she even started to tear up about these beheaded babies. Well, she came forward on, I, will, I don't know how many different venues she came forward, but I will say that she did come forward on my finely tuned Twitter feed and said uh, she apologized. She actually announced an official apology to the world that she should have looked into it further before she, you know, reported on it. Because in her opinion, there was no corroboration whatsoever from any of the IDF, any of the Israeli military, no corroboration. In other words, it was totally fabricated. All right. So anyway, um, okay, so we're getting really close. At this point, we got uh, Sister Rachel. We want to bring her on the program. We do not want to hold her over. Okay, because she's uh, been notified by Sister Nancy about, you know, the eight to nine slot. So um, let's go ahead and bring her live and um, and just praise God for this awesome opportunity to get uh, to to get a, a little bit of a deeper understanding of whatever the Lord has revealed to her in regard to what he showed her several years ago. I think it was back to all the way to 2015, perhaps. I, I don't know. Maybe my memory fails me, but let's go ahead and bring on Sister Rachel right now. Praise Jesus. Here we <clears throat> Here we go. Praise God. Sister Rachel, are you there? I'm here. Yay. Hi, Yay. long time. Yeah, Hi, how brings are you back. Doing? How am I doing? <laughs> don't you don't want to ask? Um, right now, I'm living those fiery fires that are to trial, try you as if something strange has happened to you. But rejoice! <laughs> so I'm right. rejoicing Amen. in the fiery fire. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, all, all is well. You know, when people ask me, I just say, "Look, I'm not in pain. I'm not starving." And I'm not digging for hobo sandwiches behind Subway. So it's all good. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, <Great> time. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead as we, I know, right? I, I'm going to go ahead as we always do, mm-hmm. grab my little virtual folding chair. And I'm slipping now, as everybody can see, I'm slipping into the back by the curtains. I'm setting it up so I can listen to everything <laughs> the Lord's showing you. And the microphone is now yours. God bless you for joining us. All right. Oh, thank you so much. I just, you know, it seems like, when you reach out to me, it's always a divine appointment. It's always just the right time. And God is just faithful. He's so faithful. And I just have a lot of joy tonight in getting to share this with you and the folks that are meant to hear it. Um, I understand what you're saying about the fiery trials because uh, I have, I'm still in a season and I've, oh, you know, an overcomer, overcome so much, but um, the past number of months have been some of the hardest of my whole life. 
uh, loss of close family members and just uh, an attack, ongoing attack against my family. But, you know, there there really is, I, I received a word many years back that from a lady, she was she was laughing. I was at a conference and she was laughing in front of me and she fell down on the floor uh, right in front of me, kind of shocking. And I was like, she reached up to me and she grabbed me and she pulled me down to herself and she said, you're going to have joy in all circumstances. And I have to tell you, I was so offended at that time that she would say that because I thought, you know, you don't know my life. You don't know how hard it is. And at that time in my life, I didn't recognize, I didn't know, I hadn't, I didn't have a revelation of the goodness of God in all things. And so it's been a journey. It's been a lot of years. I received inner healing now um, to, uh, just, just about 10 years ago. And so this journey, the last 10 years of, of learning to have a personal relationship with the Lord where my protectors aren't uh, keeping me from whatever his best is for me, even if it's hard, learning to say, you know, hard isn't bad, it's just hard. And knowing that he's using all of the trials, all of it to refine us to prepare us because Jesus is coming. And so I've learned to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in all circumstances, even when I'm weeping and crying, crying out to him and saying, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, knowing that my joy is not based upon my circumstances. And so I can say that that's become a reality for me. I don't walk it out perfectly. You know, I just, I'm still just a human being, but man, I know the goodness of God. I know his love for me is secure. I know it's not dependent upon my performance, what I get right, what I get wrong, when I sin, when I fall short of the glory of God. I know that he loves me. His love is unchanging. So I rest in that promise. I rest in the promises God's given me over my children. Even if in my current circumstances, I don't see those things. I know that he is faithful. He will do what he said he would do. And I'm thankful for the pictures he's given me over my family, my children over the years. And I hold to him and I hold to his promises. So I just bless you, John, in all the trials and the tribulation that is coming upon this earth. And even though we're not meant to be a part of it, um, there is a way the Lord prepares us as forerunners to be ready for what's coming, that he's burned away all the dross, all the dross. And I actually pray for that. Just burn it away, Lord, burn it away. So, so Father God, I just ask right now that you would be the one leading and guiding this next hour together, this time. Lord, I believe you've prepared incredible revelation, wisdom, uh, so far beyond me, so far beyond me. But I just ask, Lord, that you would guide my words and that the folks that are listening, Lord, you prepare their hearts to hear and to not be fearful of any of the things coming upon the earth, but to rejoice because our Savior Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, is drawing nearer and nearer moment by moment. So praise the Lord. So when John, when you reached out to me, um, you know, the Lord had chosen last Saturday, early, early, early morning to take me into an experience where he uh, showed me, I got to see visually what was coming. Um, and really all it did was just confirm the many times that he's spoken to me about what was coming specifically regarding the attack on America. But I, I promise I commit to getting to that and I'll watch the clock here, but I feel like the Lord, um, as I was asking him today, Lord, how would you have me approach this? That he, 
he took me back into what he was showing me early this summer about his, um, so, well, for many years, many, many years, he's been causing me to pursue his calendar, the biblical calendar, God's calendar. Um, you know, many people refer to it as the Hebrew calendar, but, um, and, and I won't, there's so much to that, but yet it's so simple. I'm not going to get into the math of any of it today, um, but I will tell you I've been seeking it because God, his heart is that we would know the times we're living in and the seasons, even though we may not know the day or the hour, we'll know the seasons and we're meant to be children of light. So he just does that. And so I've been pursuing after his, his timing. And we know that Israel is his timepiece. We know the people, the nation and the land are his timepiece. And so we're, we're all aware, here we are um, a week into this war that's been, that's begun and, um, and all of it is just, again, it's God's perfect timing and it's what he's doing. So I want to set the stage. I believe there's things the Lord has shown me over the years that has led us to, he's shown me what was going to happen. And I've seen some of the fulfillment of the things he said so much I've yet to see, but I trust him and believe him. And it's, it's, if you, if people wonder what's the purpose of, of prophecy, his word says it so that they would believe so that you would know that God is outside of time. He's the one who wrote the end from the beginning, and we just get to walk in it. And so I'm just really, really excited to share. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, go back again to this summer. So um, last January, it'll come in, in, in 2024, January, it'll be two years, I wrote a book, and the title of the book was The Revelation of Israel, God's Plan is Our Destiny. And up until that point, for seven years prior, he was releasing a specific understanding to me about his people. And his people, yes, are the Jews, but his people are also scattered across the earth. And so um, in that book, there's, you know, so, so much. But a part of that that he had begun to give me, even when I was writing that book, was about his calendar and his timing of things. And we know, of course, from Leviticus 23, and there's other, other uh, chapters, too, in Deuteronomy that talk about um, the, the Feast of the Lord and the eight appointed times, the seven appointed times plus the Sabbath of the Lord. And so God does everything according to, you know, his calendar and his timing. And so even then he was beginning to have me um, for years pay attention to what was happening in the heavens. And there's scripture that says that there, the, the stars and the moon and the sun are all placed there to be as signs for seasons, signs and seasons. And so, um, that's the, the Rachel version. <laughs> um, I'm paraphrasing. And so he put those signs in the heavens to tell us. So we can look up right now and say, what's going on in the heavens? We can look ahead and say, what's going to happen based on what he's showing us in the heavens? And we can look at the past and see what he's already done, the signs and what they pointed to and what that meant and what we could expect. And so that's some of what I'm going to get into in the next uh, 50 minutes or so, we'll just be setting the stage to get to the point of this prophetic experience I had last week. And so I'm going to jump in. Um, you know, there were certain people on my journey with the Lord that I've come to trust. And so I'm going to reference some different folks and would encourage listeners to um, research them yourself, look at for yourself and pray into for yourself what I'm saying. But one of those people was Terry Bennett. And um, I've been to Terry Bennett's church I've been to um, the area where his church is. I've met people from his congregation. I've, um, I don't know that I've ever met him. I think I was in a, maybe in a, he came to Omaha years back, you know, but I didn't even know him at the time. Um, but anyway, he's just some, he's a person, he's a man of God. And I believe he's someone the Lord trusts 
to reveal things. And he's had um, experiences with the Lord and with angelic visitations. And so um, Gabriel has visited him many times. And uh, I believe that he has a, a track record we can trust. And so um, I just want to point to that if, if listeners aren't aware, um, he's someone that is worth listening to. And um, to, again, to set the stage, to kind of jump right in, where are we on God's calendar? Where are we on the prophetic timeline? Um, back on April 2nd of 2022, Terry had an experience while he was in a, a conference where Gabriel stood behind him and he pointed to a scripture that was in front of Terry that he didn't even know was open and it was open to Revelation 5 and the lamb with the scroll. And the angel said, this is where we are. We're right here. The lamb has the scroll. And what I want to say is that back in May of 2015, I had uh, one of my uh, encounters with the Lord where I had an open vision and I opened my eyes and I saw It was like a trillion tiny scrolls dancing in the air, all in the shape of a scroll. And I heard the Lord say, you know, very powerfully, it was still an inner voice. It wasn't the audible voice of God, but I heard him say, the scroll is being opened. And so, you know, that was for me back now eight years ago. And as I was on my journey with the Lord hearing his voice, that was one of the first encounters where I knew in my heart of hearts that we were stepping into that timing that we were the people chosen to live at the end before Jesus comes and we have the millennial reign of Christ. So here it is now, um, go ahead seven years from that timing when Gabriel stands behind Terry Bennett and says, this, this is happening, right? So it's an active thing. Then on October 5th of 2022, so last year, a year ago, uh, Angel Gabriel came back and told Terry that the first horse of Revelation 6 had been released. And uh, just a reminder that the first horse is the conqueror, conqueror on a white horse. And then I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with the voice of thunder, come. I looked and behold a white horse and the one who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. And so what I believe the Lord showed me, and I know different people probably have uh, maybe a different understanding, but I believe it's twofold. I believe that lamb, that that, that, uh, conqueror is Jesus absolutely Jesus going out to conquer to the enemy of our souls, but also the counterfeit of that um, is Satan going out to conquer. And so um, I believe again that I'll I'll talk to here in a minute, uh, a sign that happened in the heavens that I believe corresponded with that first seal being opened. And then on April 8th here, just, you know, Six months ago, the Spring Feast of the Lord this year, April 8th, the second seal was opened. And Terry talks about an experience he had where Jesus himself came and released the red horse. And he saw the red horse actually charge at him. And he stood his ground. And the red horse charged. And the red horse was released. And so the red horse is the the horse of war. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that people would kill one another, and a large sword was given to him. And so that's that, I believe, in my heart of hearts, where I personally believe is that the first two seals have been broken. I don't mean that, I don't believe that that necessarily means that we are in a seven-year period. I don't, I don't personally believe that that has to correspond with an exact seven-year period, and, and I've been on a journey to get to that place in my understanding I personally am looking for the midpoint for the three and a half year period. I, you know, I believe scripture is very clear about the last three and a half years and everything that will happen in the last three and a half years. 
So I'm just kind of being honest with you about that on my journey in scripture and with the Lord. But we know that the next seal that is released is the seal of famine. And so I do not personally believe that this seal has been opened yet, but I'll just read it for you to remind you. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, come. I looked and behold a black horse and the one who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not damage the oil and the wine. And many years ago, one of my little sons at the time, um, he came into my bedroom and said, Mom, I saw the black horse riding, and I see him now. And he pointed to, like, a place in our bedroom that he, he said he just jumped through the wall, <laughs> and he was seeing that. Um, and so, you know, some of these things that I'm sharing with you have become real to me over the years, um, these experiences that, that God has told me about. And, um, you know, why why am I someone who can talk with authority on these matters? Though I'm, I'm just a person and my understanding might be flawed, uh, the Lord, you know, we each have a call in our life and uh, the Lord sent an angel to me and said to me very clearly, the angel stood in front of me and said, you've been called to see that which is coming upon the earth. Tell them what is coming. And at the time when he did that, you know, I thought, Lord, I have no, I have no idea. Who am I? I have no, I have no way to tell anybody anything. And so I've um, over the years just come to accept I'll, I will share anything the Lord gives me. I will trust in him. I will lay down my reputation. Um, this is not, I don't get my any of my, um, my uh, value from this. I just want the Lord when I stand in front of him and know in my heart of hearts that he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he'll hold me close and he'll be proud of me as his daughter. And so that's where my value comes from is just who I am in him. But I, I do want to be obedient, and I do want to share. And so um, I'm going to, along those lines, I will say to you that um, on January 3rd of 2016, was awakened, and in the spirit I heard, see. I saw before me twirling figures as if dancing in another time with sacks on their back. They were adorned by jewelry, fancy clothing, and had their hair done up. I was made to understand they were joyful in the Lord for having listened and prepared. Then I heard very clear voice that said, I am raising up the Joseph. The date the famine begins is January 16th. I went back to sleep, but was awakened again and saw in the spirit, a huge pile of mechanical bows, but no arrows to go with them. And then I went back to sleep again, but was awakened again and saw in the spirit and in the corner of my room, a very tall figure who appeared in a dark robe, who I believe is the angel of death. He is the Lord's angel. He, I had peace in seeing him, although it was very, um, it was a, a kind of a crazy experience. And he said to me, tell them what is coming. And so I will say to you that in December of 2019, I felt like the season of the fulfillment of this was coming, at least the beginning of it on January 16th of 2020. We know now that we look back and we, we saw the COVID pandemic begin to play out at that time. But I, I believe we saw the beginning of the season, but I do not believe we saw the, the precise fulfillment of that word that I was given. And so a beginning period, and I have a, a word the Lord gave me where he talked about that the time of Jacob's trouble had begun at that point. So I'm just sharing that. Again, I think there's different people that believe different things about that. Um, so as I go on, and I want to talk to you about the things that we have seen happen 
over the last number of years, the things, the signs in the heavens and what's coming up. And then I will be able to um, kind of walk you through the things the Lord's pointed out to me, what it has meant, um, what's happening right now and what's going to happen in the spring specifically, and then even into the period between 2026 and 2029. So I think there's a picture that begins to come into view for all of us as I lay these things out. So I told you that that was the first the first time the angel of death appeared to me. And a year later, on January 7th of 2017, so a year later, this is when this angel returned to me, and he said, pull up the word here in front of me, um, I was awakened again just before 3 a.m., so hot that I was physically uncomfortable. As I was waking up, an image came before me like it was being projected from a spotlight. It was of two coins each with a silhouette of a face, like the look of nickels, coming together from the left and the right to meet in the middle. And then the shape of a V came down from the top to touch them. It wasn't just a V, but I immediately thought of the V shape was like an upside down pyramid, like we see on our currency. I didn't understand until I was fully awake that this is what the Lord was showing me, um, where we see the all-seeing eye on dollar bills, but turned upside down. And so in this experience is when the angel said to me, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. You've been called to see that which is coming upon the earth. Tell them what is coming. And so if we think about the signs in the heavens, we know that on August 21st of 2017, we had the first solar eclipse in our country in um, recent, recent memory. And so I can remember very clearly where I was. So we, uh, many of you may have, you know, experienced this. I'm from the Midwest, and so I was in Nebraska. We were able to drive just like an hour or two away to get to be in the area of totality on that day to see the solar eclipse. And if you remember, it actually crossed our country from Oregon all the way across the country and exited out of South Carolina. And so... Um, yesterday, there was another solar eclipse, but it was in su- the southern United States and really went through uh, the area of Mexico and South America, where it primarily was. But what is coming on April 8th of 2024 is another solar eclipse, but this time it's going to move across the country the opposite way to form an X. There will be an area over the region of Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee and Indiana, kind of in the corner there of those where those states inter, uh, intercede, interact, um, where, uh, you know, it'll, this uh, one area where the uh, solar eclipse will be, have gone both directions. And it happens to be over an area where there is the fault line that went off in 1812 and 1813. And there's um, different people have heard uh, have uh, been given prophetic words and experiences. Rick Joyner is one of those, where he saw a major earthquake along that fault line that causes the river to flow backwards and that it will divide our country. And so it's just interesting that that's the area, the region, where this solar eclipse will have gone over both ways. And so that's coming. We know that's coming next year. And I'm going to reference back to that because um, not surprisingly, there will be something pretty incredible going on in the heavens at that same time. So obviously there's a solar eclipse 
but there will be some other things that I want to be able to point you to. So back in 2017, the first time there was a solar eclipse, August 21st, I'm sure most of us know that on September 23rd, 2017, we saw the fulfillment of Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2. So I want to, I've got some reference materials in front of me here that I'm using to be able to, to talk through this. I'm just um, looking for that. And so I want to read Revelation 12 to you. Now a great sign appeared in the heaven. And so how do we know it's about a sign in the heaven? Because in this particular scripture, it's very, very obvious. The Lord is saying, look up. A woman clothed with the sun, so Virgo, with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. And so those 12 stars were made up of Mercury, Mars, and Venus, plus the stars of Leo, the lion, the constellation of Leo. And it says in verse 2, then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And Jupiter was the child in her womb that was coming out of her womb. So that was what we saw on September 23rd, 2017. So I remember when that happened. And so here we are, you know, over six years, just over six years later, and wondering to the Lord, well, when would we see the next part of that sign? verses three and four that talk about the dragon. And so I'm going to go into some detail on that and give you maybe a little bit of insight that I feel like the Lord's been giving to me. I will say I'm going pretty fast through this. And so I have some pretty detailed YouTube videos on my channel, Rachel Baxter. Um, if you're interested after this in really getting into the meat of this and looking kind of scripture by scripture and going through some of the reference material the Lord's brought to me, um, one of those books was called The uh, Storm. I'm going to make sure I say it right. I wrote it down. Um, the Story in the Stars by E.W. Bollinger. And so it was a book written 150 years ago. So the Lord had me using that book as my reference material when I was making those videos. So just letting you know if, if you're like, gosh, this is a lot and you want to follow along, uh, you can go back and look at some of those other videos that I've done. And so um, so we also know that, so that, that August 21st, first solar eclipse, August, September 23rd, 2017, we saw the Revelation 12, 1 and 2 sign. Um, so then we also saw then speed ahead, five years, but in that period of time when uh, Terry Bennett had been given the word, remember October 5th of 2022, that the first seal of the scroll, the seven seals, had been opened. So we saw a super blood moon happen, and this was during the timing of Sukkot, or Tabernacles, one of the seven feasts of the Lord, one of the, the, last, the last one that's called out in the book of, uh, in, in Leviticus 23. It's one of the, the last fall feasts, and I believe it points to that millennial reign of Christ and him us being with him. And so um, to me, that's pretty, pretty incredible. And around that same time, so on October 9th, we saw a gamma ray burst happen, um, which was the longest gamma ray burst that was ever recorded, um, ever known to have happened. Um, so again, if you talking about you know not just present day, but like looking at records, uh, Chinese records and other records that have been kept for thousands of years. So this was a gamma ray burst that happened on October 9th, 
I just want to read to you part of the article here. It stood out even among the long-firing gamma-ray bursts previously observed. It's photons bombarding satellite detectors for about 10 minutes. So this is absolutely unheard of. Um, passing through our solar system, sending astronomers around the world scrambling to train their telescopes on that part of the sky. And so the gamma-ray burst is the most powerful yet recorded and likely could be the birth cry of a new black hole. Um, and so in our research group, we've been referring to this burst as the BOAT, B-O-A-T, brightest of all time. Because when you look at the thousands of bursts of gamma ray telescopes have been detecting since the 90s, this one stands out. And so the question I had when I felt like the Lord, you know, brought my attention to this gamma ray burst, so a light in the heavens, some, some kind of a sign, what did it mean? And so the first question I had was, because as I've been studying the constellations, so if you're not aware, um, perhaps you've had a check in your spirit about astrology, because astronomy is the twisting of what God set into the heavens, because God himself named the constellations. But astronomy is the, 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 the meaning that God gave. So God set the stars in the heavens, and he is the one who named them. And even across all the cultures on our planet, the constellations, the groupings of stars are the same. And so if you think about that, like there is no, there's no odds that would cause that to happen because we can all look up in the heavens and it, it's not immediately obvious how you would group the stars for them to be grouped the same and then for their names to have the same meaning across all of the languages. It's just another beautiful, wonderful example of the majesty of our God. And so he put the signs in the heavens, he put the stars there to tell a story. And so that's to me why the Lord, I believe, asked me to pay attention to what he was doing and to learn about the, the, the stars, to learn about astronomy. And I will tell you, I don't feel like an expert. I feel, I feel like I'm still sucking my thumb. I just feel like there's so much to it that's so incredible. But um, what I did find out was that this gamma ray burst came out of a constellation called Sagitta. And Sagitta means arrow, okay? And so what I learned was that um, the word arrow only appears in Scripture three times. And so it's 2671 from Strong's, and it means a, properly a piercer or an arrow by implication a wound figuratively thunderbolt the shaft of a spear archer arrow dart shaft staff and so the three times it appears in scripture the first one is in Zechariah 9 and I'm going to tell you in the book that I wrote two years ago the Lord had me open the book using all of Zechariah as this prophetic picture this of the story of of the people of God and their need for a savior and the sending of a savior and that he would return at the end. And so the book of Zechariah, like is so incredible to me, but so this is from Zechariah nine, then the Lord will appear over them and his arrow will go forth like lightning. The Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the South. And so that's the first scriptural reference of his arrow. The other two, Matthew twenty four twenty seven, for as the lightning cometh out of the East, 
or the arrow cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be, pointing again to the time of the end when Jesus returns. And similarly, Luke 17, 24, for as the lightning or as the arrow that lighteth out of one part of under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. And so we saw this happening at the same time, in that same period of time within a number of days of the first seal being released according to Terry Bennett, according to the angel Gabriel. So um, praise the Lord. And if you think back to the word the Lord gave me, the vision I had where I saw mechanical bows and no arrows, it was like in that experience I had back in 2017, the arrows were mysteriously missing was just the mechanical bow. It's like the Lord then used to me that arrow pointing to this prophetic occurrence of like, look, 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 I've shot the arrow. Look at the time you're living in. So to me, that's pretty exciting. And so um, what else has been going on, this ongoing, uh, ongoing thing? So I want to share with you um, it's just all these different data points. They're so beautiful to me. So um, Many of you may, may know about the James Webb Telescope. So it's the, the telescope that they, they put out there, they put into the heavens after the Hubble. Okay, so maybe we kind of all grew up hearing about the Hubble and the pictures coming back from the Hubble. So the James Webb Telescope is this, this telescope now that's been up there. I don't know how long, but it's, um, it's just much more high quality. It's going further out into the universe. Um, and so here's what's exciting to me is um, – this telescope, I want to read to you a couple of headlines. James Webb data contradicts the Big Bang. And this was from August of 2022. The exploration of the universe by the JW telescope, telescope, James Webb, is showing us that the measurements of light years is faulty. So, all right, so there's a, there, there is a star called Betelgeuse in the constellation of Orion that went very dim for a number of years and now has been pulsating so brightly, blowing people away. And so the article goes on to say, it's not that Betelgeuse exploded 600 light years ago and we're now just seeing it. It's happening right now. So James Webb is disproving the whole light years thing. It's like uh, the, the belief or the thought used to be that we would see something and people would say, the scientists, astronomers would say, oh, well, that happened X hundred years ago. And so now we're just seeing it because it takes that much time for light to travel. And the, the telescope, James Webb, is disproving that, saying, no, 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 it's happening right now. And so there was a, a well-known astronomer named Mikio Kaku, and he says this, time does not exist. James Webb Telescope proved us wrong. And then he talks about how time and space are like fabric. And so, um, to me, I just love, love, love that. It's really, really amazing to me. And so, so Betelgeuse is in the constellation of Orion. And so, what is going on in Orion? And so, um, I, I use Stellarium. So, to me, Stellarium is this wonderful program. You can, uh, you can download it, uh, but it, to me, it works better on the computer. It's a free, uh, just web, web, free um, web-based program. And so, you can use Stellarium to start to learn about the stars, to see what's happening. So for me, when I use uh, Stellarium and I want to see what's going on, I use the location of Jerusalem. You can pick the location you want. I always pick Jerusalem because, again, that's God's 
land. It's his place. It's part of his timepiece. So I use that to be the direction. So, and then I believe that looking east, right, because we know Jesus will return from the east. So I always look to see what's going on from the east. And so anyway, when the Lord was taking me through this, this experience this summer, it was July, kind of mid-July. And um, when I happened to pull it up, uh, I, I saw that at that time, that the constellation of Orion was straight in front of Jerusalem if you are facing to the east. Like as the, as the, the um, light would begin to rise, that would be the constellation. And so they were seeing Betelgeuse flashing, 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 flashing. And just above it, the constellation above it is Taurus. I'm going to reference back to that. And then we have Jupiter in the heavens just above that. Okay, and I'm going to, going to, discuss, I'm going to share with you why that's really important. Um, so that to me was pretty exciting to see. Um, okay, so again, I know I'm moving pretty fast. Um, and so I want to reference back to this, you know, I'm raising up the Josephs, the date the, the famine begins is January 16th. So of what year? I told you that the Lord showed me we were beginning the season of that when we had COVID and all that kind of stuff. But I believe you know, and, and I, I'm not somebody who wants to date set. I, I don't want to say that, you know, this is what's going to happen on this date, but God, he chose to give me a specific date and he didn't give me a year, right? So I have to rely upon him. I have to trust him with that. And I don't know that January 16 is necessarily any kind of a um, specific feast day or festival day or, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but I know God's calendar is for all of us. It's not just for the Jews because the Jews are just one of the tribes, Judah. And God had 12 tribes. And we know that from the end of the book of Revelation, we know that when the new Jerusalem, when the new heaven and the new earth come, all of us are going to have to enter through one of those gates. We will all enter through one of the tribes. And so God will have a people. And we know that there will be a remnant of people from all of his people throughout the, all across the face of the earth that will come back to him. So this January 16th, we know that this is fast approaching. And so I also want to point out to you that it's not lost on me that Gabriel and Jesus have confirmed the first two seals. The next seal that is meant that is going to be opened will be the seal of famine. And it talks about the two coins. And if you think about the experience I had where I saw the two coins coming together, the, the, the two denarius, right? And the V in the middle. So, so since that happened to me, you know, you have these profound experiences and um, I'm always, I've always been aware of these when I see these like, Lord, are you doing anything? Is there any, you know, V that's happening? So, uh, again, in the summertime frame, um, what was incredible to me to see and to find was, and I, I did put a picture, uh, I posted this today on my YouTube, a picture of Solarium and what I was shocked to see that in 2024, the beginning of 2024, starting January 16th, all the way through April 8th, when we have the solar eclipse over America, that we, starting in January, all of the planets will align and align above the horizon. So maybe someone listening here can tell me the math behind what are the statistics, what is the statistical significance, like how often, one in a million, one in a thousand, um, how often, because I, I haven't been able to find that, but I'm, I've got to believe it's, it would be an incredibly rare thing, maybe never happened before, I don't know, because to have all the planets align in one part of the sky 
every one of our planets, the seven planets, plus Earth as the eighth, right, the seven planets that all orbit around the sun in our view, they are all orbiting at different periods. And so you've got a planet like Jupiter that orbits the sun every 12 years, uh, and you've got a planet like Neptune that orbits the Earth every 165, or, so I'm so sorry, orbits the sun every 165 years, okay? And then you've got Mercury that orbits the sun every 88 days, just under 88 days. So you've got these planets going around the sun, going around the sun on all the different paces. But we are going to see in 2024 all of the planets line up. And to me, that is just incredible. And when I saw it in Stellarium, I thought, wow, wow, Lord, what are you doing? What are you showing us? Okay. And so on January 16th, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this up a second so that I can be looking at it. So while all the planets line up, we also see that Jupiter, right? Jupiter was a profound thing for us when we think back to uh, September of 2017 when we saw Jupiter go through um, the womb of Virgo. Jupiter was in Virgo. So why would Jupiter be important? Why would Jupiter, the planet of Jupiter? So I mentioned this um, God's Story in the Stars or His Story in the Stars book, 150 years old. I have some other reference books um, that that are, are old. It's almost like what I felt like the Lord was showing me was this the lost understanding of his planets. He was restoring that to my heart. And so I want to share with you that um, what does Jupiter mean, okay? Um, so here's just a couple of quotes that um, we're, we're still learning about Jupiter, that 92 moons have now been discovered orbiting Jupiter, and that it's widely believed that the planet of Jupiter acts as a shield to Earth because of Jupiter's gravitational force. So in this book, the story in the stars, Jupiter is actually the, the word for the Hebrew word for it is Zadek. And I'm sure when I say that, many of you know that the reference comes to you, Melchizedek, the royal priesthood. So Jupiter means is, is pronounced in, in Hebrew Zedek, meaning righteousness. It is the embodiment of divine influx. Okay, so that's how it's called out. So what does that mean, divine influx? Divine uh, is of relating to or proceeding directly from God. So proceeding directly from God is divine. And influx is an arrival or entry of large people or things, an influx. So a large thing, large things coming in, right? So here we had Jupiter coming out of the womb of Virgo. I believe the, the announcement that was happening was people, my people get ready. My people get ready. There's a lot here of divine influx coming your way. So what happens is that Jupiter is going to move into Taurus also in the timing of 2024. So Taurus, why would Taurus matter? And I, and I, I hope I haven't lost you. Um, I've got 19 minutes left. I'm going to come back to the significance for America because uh, it, it, blew, it blows me away. And so I'm, I'm going to just be excited to share this with you. So Jupiter, what is, what is Jupiter? What's it mean to us? So this is from the Witness of the Stars. The sign Taurus, the bull, Messiah, the coming judge of all the earth. The picture is that of a bull rushing forward with mighty energy and fierce wrath, his horn set to 
set so as to push his enemies and pierce them through and destroy them. It is a prophecy of Christ, the coming judge and ruler and the Lord of all the earth. Everything points to the important truth and all turns on the fact the Lord is coming to rule. This is the central truth of all prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And all hope for creation, all hope for the world, all hope for Israel, all hope for the church turns on this, that Jesus is coming again and that when he comes, his saints, the daughters of the king, will be with him. There is very much scripture in the there is very much in the scripture of the book as there in the prophecies in the heavens about the coming of the Lord in judgment and about this time of his indignation. For Enoch, who doubtless was used in arranging these prophetic signs, uttered the prophetic words, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly. And so what happens is that Jupiter is going to move through Taurus. But what we see after that is Jupiter will move through Leo and Virgo from the period of 2026 all the way through 2029. Again, because remember that it was we saw it in Virgo back in 2017, and it's on a 12-year orbit. And so talking about Taurus, why? What, what does Taurus point to? All right, so back to this witness of the stars. We've said that at a very early period, these signs were appropriated to the 12 tribes of Israel and born upon their standards. This may be traced in the blessing of Jacob and in the blessing of Moses from Genesis and Deuteronomy. Taurus was assigned to Joseph, or rather to his two tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, like the two powerful horns. I'm going to read the firstling of his bullock, majesty is his, and his horns are the horns of the wild ox, the reem, or the um, unicorn. With them he shall push Gore, the peoples, all of them, even the ends of the earth, and they are the ten thousands of Ephraim and the thousands of Manasseh. So in the book that I wrote, um, The Revelation of Israel, I I believe that I prove through the Lord, God wrote it with me, so with a shadow of a doubt, that that America is the fulfillment of the promises given to Manasseh and that Great Britain is the fulfillment of the promises given to Ephraim. And so God's people are all across the earth. It's not about a skin color. It's about a heart condition. It's about a people. And so we know that God is going to regather his people before the time of the end. And I go into a a lot of detail in my book. So please, if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't believe you. I lay out scripture by scripture and show. And so I do just want, I'm going to encourage you in the sake of time. I won't read all of this, but please read Jeremiah 30 and 31 because it talks about judgment and the deliverance of his people. And so, um, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to point you to that and I'm not going to read it again for the sake of time. And so, um, thank you, Lord. All right. So Manasseh, we are the United States of America, the fulfillment of the promises to Manasseh. What does Manasseh mean? It means the forgotten one. The forgotten ones. So that brings us to current present day. We saw war begin last week in Israel, the same time that the Lord gave me this prophetic experience. And so we are all accord, happening according to God's timing. Everything that's happening, Iran's attack, Iran, the proxy Hamas and Hezbollah attacking Israel, Israel declaring war last Saturday. And so I'm going to go to that and speak to that here in our last 15 minutes. And so I'm going to read to you um, what, I, what I shared on Z3 News 
um, you know, when this first all happened, I wasn't going to share it. I was like, Lord, this is so much, you know, and I shared it with a close circle around me. And then I felt like the Lord was like, no, this is, it's time. It's time to share these things. I want you to share this. So, um, and that's around the same time that John reached out to me to, to be on this program. So praise God for that. So I just appreciate the opportunity. Um, So I will share an experience with the Lord from that, from October 8th an insight into what may be just ahead for the U.S. being drawn into World War III. And I do believe that's where we're headed. I do not believe that this is going to fizzle out. And so I could be wrong. And, and it's, it's okay if I'm wrong, but I believe based on what the Lord showed me that that's going to happen. Um, I know that um, these other voices, I mentioned Mina Lee Gribben and Joni Stahl. I was listening to a program that they did recently. And uh, Mina Lee was saying that she believes with all her heart that what has begun is Psalm 83 war. So I encourage you to read Psalm 83 and pray into that with the players that are involved in that. And so I want to share some context before I get into uh, exactly what the Lord showed me this experience I had. So back on 11-11 of 2020, the Lord told me this. He said, the drums of war are beating. They are quiet amidst the uproar of your failed election, but they beat. Other nations hear them. There is a battle cry being whispered in hidden places. America, not so strong anymore. America distracted by internal strife, America divided, America weary from an internal battle, not prepared for an external one, America weary from the plague. You will see something of surprise. Russia is going to blow her trumpet. She is posturing. This is what proud nations who do not bow their knee to me do. She will signal her intent. Watch. And I said to the Lord, why is this important? Aren't countries always doing this for one another? The Lord said, What you will see is that she intends to take what is not hers. This is how wars get started. One nation decides that the environment is right to do what they purposed in their hearts long ago. They wait patiently, watching for the right time, and then it comes, and they believe they are ready to move forward. This is what you will see. So what I want to say was that was in 2020. We saw Russia invade Ukraine in February of 2022, intending to take what was not hers, as the Lord had said. He had given me another word earlier that month in November through on November 3 of 2020 before the election that happened that I believe gives more insight to what we're going to see next. He said this, Iran, the leopard strikes its prey out of a position of stillness and silence. It waits patiently. Then at just the right time when its prey is most vulnerable, it leaps. Its mouth opens and closes upon the neck of its prey so that the neck is broken. Its claws dig deeply into the shoulders of its prey to pull it down to the ground. As its teeth sinks deep into the tissue, muscles and tendons, blood springs forth. As the blood drains out, the prey is found weak and incapacitated. It is in this confusion that the leopard takes its prize, meat. Fresh meat is its prize. And when the Lord spoke all that to me, I had no idea how a leopard, you know, attacks. But when I researched it, that's exactly how a leopard attacks, what, what happens. So the Lord goes on to say, China, the leopard's partner, stands ready for it once the leader is incapacitated it can have its way with the prey's pack. Russia, like the vulture who circles overhead, waiting its turn to dine upon the bloody carcass, there is plenty of meat left to satisfy. Trust me when I say that a death blow is coming, but it will not come all at once. Redemptive judgment has been prepared for a stiff-necked people, a lukewarm people who prefer their cake and to eat it too. And I believe he was speaking of Israel, but I also believe he was speaking of the United States of America. All right, so I'm going to go into what happened last week on Saturday the 7th. As I was waking, I saw a picture of an open door frame, and I heard the Lord speak to my heart. I have set before you an open door. I knew there was an invitation to something, but I didn't know what it was. 
Then, the next morning, the Lord woke me at 3.39 and began to speak. I went into my prayer closet to draw close to his heart and to make notes of what he was saying and wanted to show me. The Lord drew my attention that yesterday was 10-7-23, and now it was the next day, 10-8. The number 7 stands for completion, and the number 8 represents a new beginning. I believe there was a personal application for what the Lord was pointing out, but also a more corporate one. I was aware that the that Yom Kippur War of 1973 was 50 years ago, and that Israel had declared war yesterday on the 7th after an attack from Gaza by Hamas. My understanding was that the season of the last 50 years had ended, and we had now entered a new season for Israel as God's timepiece. I then closed my eyes and saw the open doorway that the Lord had shown me the day before. I walked through the depths into it. So again, this was happening in a closed vision. It remained dark, but then it was like a curtain was moved aside. I was standing above our country as if hovering in the air at a height of 50,000 feet. I was looking down on the outline of the Florida coast. I was drawn to the southeast region where I knew Miami existed. I saw an industrial area off the coast and then an explosion. At that moment, I was reminded of a word the Lord gave me many years ago that involved how World War III would begin for our country. And I'll share that here in a minute. Then I was drawn over the earth to hover over the southwest coast of our country with my attention drawn to the region of San Francisco. I saw what looks like a large row of propane tanks, like the really, really big ones, and then an explosion. Because of past things the Lord had spoken to me, I knew that I would then be taken to the central area of our country over Chicago, which I was. I recognized the Navy Pier area, and then I saw another explosion nearby. I don't think I saw it on the pier itself, but I, it was in that area. It was like I first noticed the, the Navy Pier, and then I saw the explosion. I knew that the three explosions I was seeing in, was not in real time, but a view of events that are tied together and will happen in the future. I was also reminded of two other more recent experiences with the Lord. In one, he showed me that the inside of trailers were being fitted with military equipment and bombs and positioned for future destruction. I believe this may be how the attack, or at least one of these three attacks, is planned for. So, as John was introducing me, he mentioned that back in 2015, the Lord gave me a word that was specific to World War III. I'm going to share a portion of it here. The Lord God said, an event will occur that will begin World War III, and there is no stopping it. The spirit of the living God comes to you, write what I say. An event will occur that will begin World War III without debate, and there is to be no stopping it. All the planning and scheming has led to this. Many will lose their lives. It's important that you rest in the shadow of the Almighty, your refuge and your strength. I come to you to hearken you to listen to all I have to say. The underpinnings of this attack come not from afar, but from your own shores. Do not be deceived. Trust this good word. I desire my children to live in light just as I am light. See, the darkness covers the earth, yet there are pockets of light that shine forth through the darkness. The abyss has not conquered all. It is my children of light who shall be victorious. Let no more false flags confound you. They say, look here. While over there, great tragedy really takes place. I will point you to the truth. I will point my children to all truth, which is in me. Look to Miami. Look to Chicago. Look to San Francisco. See what is happening. The wheels have been set in motion, and they shall not be stopped. Some will say, pray, so that my Father in heaven will listen and intervene. But I, the Lamb, who has already been led to slaughter, say all these things must happen, that scripture be fulfilled. All right. I have another word from September 17th of 2022. Okay, so about a year ago. The war I have warned you about is just before you. 
America will no longer be sheltered from battle. Your land will be no longer, your land will no longer be untouchable by your enemies. For your leaders have led in your enemy and they are amongst you. They were hidden, but they will come out of hiding to attack. Watch Miami, watch San Francisco, watch Chicago. As I have said to you years ago, all the planning and scheming has led to this. What are we watching for, Lord? And this is where he says to me, trucks, truck trailers parked in strange places. What are the trucks used for, Father? Bombs, artillery, ammunition, and supplies. So um, the last thing I shared um, in that, when I posted that word on C3 News, was about uh, a dream that I had about uh, actually going into an experience where I, um, it was a dream. This was a dream, but it felt very real. And in that experience, it was like the Lord let me experience a nuclear bomb that would go off in an industrial area in Miami. So, all right, I'm going to close with this. This was on that kind of that, um, kind of the first part of how the Lord first talked to me, because this is, this is, you know, my heart in sharing all these things is again, not that we would have any fear, that we would trust him. We would let him position us. I believe that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We are meant to hear his voice. We're meant to respond to the instructions he gives us. He is our protector and our provider in all circumstances. That is who he is. And so he makes a way. And so my heart is um, that we would all just tuck into him. And so I'm going to start just read a little bit of this, the word, the first part of the word that came from what I just shared with you on the September 16th, 2022. And this was, I wrote this down at 11, 11 a.m. I just said, Father, what do you have to speak to my quieted heart today? He said, Princess, daughter of the king, we are one. I love you, and I'm with you moment by moment, day by day. Let me carry your burdens. Thank you, Lord. I love you, too. And he said, I have a hard word of correction to give. And I said, to me, Lord? And he said, no, to the body. This word is to the body of Christ and those in the valley of decision. The door to my sanctuary is closing. It's not yet closed, but it is actively closing. The gears are turning and the lever is being pulled. This is a door that once closed will not open again until the great storm has passed. Do not be dismayed by the fiery trials. I am allowing in your life meant to burn away the dross. Let it burn. Celebrate the crucifixion of your flesh for once dead, your spirit in me will soar. The hard word is this. You are lukewarm. You are salt without flavor. You are of no use to me in your fallen form. Choose this day whom you will follow or face the eternal consequences. I've loved you with an everlasting love. You spit on me. Some have looked me in the eyes and spit into my face. Your disdain for all that is holy and good and righteous is an abomination to me. Hear this today. If you do not heed my call to enter into my protection by laying down your own life to receive mine, Jesus, then I say to you, I never knew you. Then watch as the wind begins to blow. Watch it blow with such fury that man will not be able to stand on his own. Watch the earth begin to shake from the inside out. Watch as the ground beneath your feet rolls and heaves. You will cry out to me, but the door will be sealed. Do not wait. Do not wait one more minute to confess your sins and receive my forgiveness. Do not wait any more to receive the gift of Holy Spirit meant to teach you, lead you, and grow you into what I created you for. And then he said to me, daughter, hear me. It's time to lead Manasseh to me. There is no more extra time. There is no more free time. There is no more time to wait. He said, preach, speak, cry out to those who will listen. Tell them of my promises and show them the ancient plans. 
The fulfillment of all things is before you. The fullness of the Gentiles, the nations, has come in. This is it. I said, what does come in mean, Lord? He said, it means that those who are walking the earth today are those of the last generation of my design. They and those before them are they who I predestined before the foundation of the earth to live by my breath and die to self through my blood freely given. The times have come in. They have turned inward and there is no more expansion. I warned at the start of 2020 that the times of Jacob's trouble had begun. I warned that the birth pangs would accelerate and grow in intensity and they have. Time will now begin to contract. The contractions will bring about the change in the woman so that she may bring forth the man-child, the company of my warriors. I have made them ready and they will go forth to conquer with the help of the angelic host. Michael has been engaged in the heavenly war, leading the heavenly host in battle for some time. You will now see this war come to the earth. This war will be without comparison. It will be waged both in the seen and unseen realms, in both the physical and the supernatural realms, by both physical and supernatural beings. And then he talked to me about the plans of the enemy that he's shown me in times for me to make those, those plans known. So I'm going to end with that. I see that our time is up. And um, Lord God, I just pray that you would write this word upon their hearts, Lord, that people would take this to heart, that they would come to you, they would seek you, they would find you, because that's your promise, Lord. Lord God, let us lay down our lives to follow you. Let us trust you in all that is ahead, knowing that you have a plan. You have a people, and your heart is to bring us back to you in every way possible before the end, before we see Jesus return in the clouds. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord God. All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much. With that, John, I will turn it back over to you. Thank you very much for sharing that. That is a powerful, powerful um, expansion upon um, the previous understanding. And I have one really quick question for you, though. Um, You had said that there, I I don't know, it was a little bit hard to understand with any great certainty. And it may be because it was portrayed to you spiritually without that level of certainty. You had mentioned something in regard to possibly some, I don't know, nuclear nature of the Miami event. But what about uh, San Francisco and Chicago? Was there anything or any feeling that you had that that may also have been uh, nuclear in, in its nature, the events that happened there? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. So I do really believe, based on what the Lord showed me and spoke to me, that Miami is nuclear. But San Francisco, he drew my attention to propane tanks. So that's what I saw was the propane tanks. I knew that it was propane tanks. So that it was an explosion that happened in that area. So to me, I didn't see that that would be nuclear. It didn't, like the cloud that formed wasn't nuclear to me. So, and then in Chicago, I didn't see that either. So I knew there was an explosion, but I didn't see the same level of detail that I saw in the Miami. And I really, I believe in what he has said to me over and over that Miami is first. I don't necessarily know that San Francisco and Chicago, what order they come in. But I know that all three of those attacks are um, they're they're uh, coordinated. They're meant to be. Um, they're meant to happen. There's like a succession that happens. There's a purpose for them working together. And so I also believe, you know, at the time when the Lord said about false flags, like I never even heard that term back then. I didn't even know what that was. So I had to look and see. And so you know what what he said in that was that you know we may uh, like for example I feel like Iran may be blamed for that. And maybe Iran's been brought in to plan all of that, but that really there are leaders in our own country who want this to happen. 
that are planning. There are there are, maybe it's the elites, whatever you might call them, you know, the the people that really pull the strings that are behind all of these things because they want to see America drawn into the war and they want to see our country ultimately fall. Um, that's absolutely very, very interesting and um, powerful. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, there's so it was I, 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 you know, we all believe different things and, and we all have gone through different walks and then you pull it all together yeah. as part of the body of Christ. And, you know, the hope would be that um, ultimately now this is not always the case because we have diversity of belief systems out there and all that. But um, I, I strongly believe because God is in control of everything. So at the end of the day, we know just by reading the, the book of Job, particularly, you know, chapter one, that God is ultimately in control of everything, period. Ecclesiastes 7.14 clarifies that in an extremely vivid manner. OK, um, I, so for example, um, I'll just go ahead and pull this up. Sorry, I'm just. Hold on a second. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider that surely God has appointed one as well as the other. Okay, so what we know is that God is ultimately in control. We know that Isaiah 26, verse 9b says, When your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. I believe it's 162, Psalm 162, but I forget the last part. I have, I wrote it down, but it's, a, you know, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. So what we understand very clearly is that God is in control of the devil. He is, that is he that restrains, you know, people can nitpick and say, well, I believe it's the Holy spirit, but um, you know, that's fine. People can latch on to whatever it is they want to latch on. If they want to think the earth is flat, think the earth is flat. If you want to think an elephant is pink, purple, polka dotted, go ahead and think it. I'm not getting into that. Debate. Right. I'm not going to get into yep. that debate. There's too many diversities of, of people's belief systems out there to, to tie us down. Yep. Now, when you come to the, when you look at Titus one verse 15, you see that it says to the pure, all things are pure. Now, normally anybody that ha is even a quasi thinking Christian would say, well, that's an anomaly in the Bible. Why, why in the world would the scripture at all say something as crazy as that to the pure, all things are pure. Well, the reason is because these judgments are righteous. If it wasn't for God's judgments, if it wasn't for the horrible things that are about to come upon the earth, if it wasn't for the existence of hellfire, if it wasn't for the, the positive and the negative terminal that is connected to the battery, the current of the Holy Spirit doesn't flow. Positive and negative um, uh, motivation always works better than only positive, and it always works better than only negative. But when you put the two of them together, you have the perfect storm to bring people in uh, to Jesus. So really, we're in the last day all these judgments have a unique and holy design associated with them, which is to yeah. bring in people who mm -hmm. otherwise would have been cast into hellfire. But because right. because of all that, you know, like it says in, in Acts 2, uh, 18, uh, 19 and 21, it says, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke, and all those who call out upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you see in in, in uh interweaving of blood, fire, vapor of smoke, and how it leads to people to cry out to the name of the Lord so that ultimately they would be saved as well. Now, why do I, why do I set that out there? Because once we get our hands around the concept of to the pure, all things are pure, and that uh, when the inhabitants of the earth, uh, you know, when, when, when God's judgments fall upon the inhabitants of the earth, you know, they will learn righteousness. When we understand these dynamics, 
uh, you suddenly start to, you know, there's this place that you are in the beginning of your walk, at least I was, um, where we are still in a, we're still in a birthing stage. We're still learning. We're still growing. And we always are going to be growing. But at some point, hopefully, we get a little bit smarter, a little bit smarter, a little bit smarter. And when we realize that God is in control, when we truly, truly can embrace that God is ultimately in control of everything, I could go back and requote the scriptures again if I need to. But it says it. It's clear as a bell. There's no arguing it. Even when uh, Satan and uh, our Heavenly Father were debating over Job, you know, Satan says, does Job trust, you know, does Job fear God for nothing? You know, he's absolutely befuddled that our Heavenly Father would even allow him to touch Job for a millisecond. He can't believe it. He's blown away. So we understand, when you understand the magnitude of the control that God has over Satan, that, and I, I thought, the way I like to put it is that God has Satan on an executive severance package. His purpose is to use him <laughs> to bring really the Gentiles. It is. It really is. Because if you look at the King of Tyre and all the other metaphors in the Bible that talk about how incredible Lucifer was, and no wonder the Masons refer to him as the, uh, the great architect of the universe, because he was there. As Lucifer, he hadn't fallen yet. So he was at the, at the design table for all of the universes, right there with Jesus, right there with our Heavenly Father. So there's, but anyway, why, why bring this all up? Here's the amazing thing. Now, not only do I have an audio bite, which I, I'm not going to go ahead and go into. I, I can save it for another program. I played it before. But I have an audio of a man calling into a radio show to an emergency operations center in Illinois, um, sorry, Indiana, right outside of Chicago, Illinois. He's the, and I, most people don't know this, but in every county in the United States of America, there is what's known as an EOC, an emergency operations center. By the way, they have all bought super high-powered incinerators for the purpose of being able to incinerate FEMA coffins. FEMA coffins are known as cremation containers for cadavers. You can throw four bodies, dead bodies, into them. And when you throw them into an incinerator, the plastic melts down upon them and holds all the fumes inside. So they don't stink up the neighborhood like they did in Auschwitz and Treblinka and all the other places. That was a real problem for the Nazis. Now, those, those um, uh, incinerators were sold to all of the emergency operations centers across the United States of America. Why? For the protection of pandemics, because heaven forbid we should allow a pandemic to come along and all these dead bodies laying around, and they can't like incinerate them and protect the rest of the population from the leaking of the contagion outside of these. Now, why do I bring all this up? Okay, let's circle back. If God is in control of everything, then guess what? Instead of blaming all of the movies, this is what, this is what you do in the beginning. I know, because I, I raised my hand. Guilty is charged. Jury dismissed. John is guilty because I went through the whole dynamic where all aliens are demons. No, they're not. Some of them are fallen angels. Some of them are just trillions of life forms that exist out in, out in the glorified part of the universe, which, by the way, God calls down for his judgment during the day of the Lord in Isaiah 13. Those beings are not fallen angels. God calls them his sanctified ones, his mighty ones, and he sends them to the earth for his judgment. Now, anyway, I'm not going to split hairs on that, but the point is once you get through all of this stuff and you realize that God is in control of everything, suddenly now you're not blaming the devil for every single movie that came out. You're not saying, wait a minute, 2012, it's of the devil. They're priming the pump. They're trying to control us. They're controlling our minds. No, wait a minute. In reality, the movies are duplicitous in their meaning. In fact, they're highly 
prophetic, highly prophetic. Now, let's circle back to the Chicago dynamic. Let's circle back to the Miami dynamic. Let's circle back to the fact that it's a false flag. Let's circle back to the fact that it – what about the movie Some of All Fears? It included a nuclear bomb injected or you know woven into, wired into a Coca-Cola machine at the bottom of a, of a football stadium. Okay, and it detonated. And, and it's a movie that I highly recommend because it's extremely prophetic. But it doesn't stop there. What about the TV series Jericho, where 22 different cities in the United States were blown up by nuclear bombs? From the ground, by the way. None of them were launched by missiles. They were all launched from the ground. Jericho. Okay, now you've got another movie. This was an accident for me. Once I started to wake up that, that these movies were not of the devil, that these movies were being allowed. Our Heavenly Father was allowed. His fingerprint is all over these movies. He is warning us through these movies exactly what's going to be happening. Not to a T, not to a T. Like David Vernon McGee said in his book, Through the Bible, God hath not given us all the details, and nor shall he. He will not. Period. Because he's trying to keep us on the edge of our seats. He will reveal his secrets through the servants of the, the prophets. However, I learned this from Stephen Hansen, who's in the house of a prophet. Just because God prophesied something in 2016 doesn't mean he won't relent. You've got to use your new King James or your Amplified to find the word relent because it doesn't exist in the King James. Sorry. The word relent means that God changed his mind. That's what it means. When Moses went to him and said, please don't kill the, the, the Israelites because you're going to make, make yourself look silly before in, in, the, the, the Egyptians. Well, the King James says that God repented. Well, God would have to sin to repent, and God doesn't sin. So that's an incorrect translation. Proper translation is the word the relent. He relented because he changed his mind. Now, all that being said, that means that prophecies, dreams, and visions are iterative. In other words, as God changes his mind, as he responds to the prayers of the saints, as times change, as, as the battles continue, as the prayers of the saints raise up to the, to, to the heavens, our Heavenly Father has the option, and he will use that option, to relent, to change his mind, to change the course of events, and, and to some degree or another. I'm not saying it's a, I have no idea to what degree. It's really irrelevant. But here's the thing that's, that's an amazing takeaway that lines up with what you were just shown. Okay, in a big, big way. I had to set the foundation. So all this chitter-chatter wasn't for naught. Okay, I needed to set the foundation because most people are trapped in a place where they think that the devil, oh, that tornado boy, that evil devil, I blame the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Okay, it's really just not that simple. And I could, I could get into all kinds of details about that, but I'm not going to take the time. Here's the thing that's amazing. So one I already knew that I already have I have a whole link up on Tribulation Now with probably well over 150 movies listed and why they're prophetic and what part of the Bible they go back to and all that. Okay, but all that being said, and of course not every little part of the movie is prophetic, but there but the, but maybe the just the gist of the plot is. Here's what's amazing. I was watching. I already knew that there were, that these were prophetic. I already knew that. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a vision that was given to Sister Barbara in God's Healer Seven, where she literally saw. The events that occurred in the beginning of the movie 2012, okay, in the beginning of the, I'm sorry, War of the Worlds, with the lightning, the strange lightning bolts and the people on TV and they're freaking out because these alien beings and monsters and all this other stuff is coming down on the earth. She saw that. 
She saw that happening across the entire world where, where weather reporters and, and news reporters were coming on television and showing incredible lightning strikes that, that were, they couldn't be explainable. They, they were not explainable. They had never happened in the history of the world, it is, it, it, and everybody was freaking out. The emergency alarm system started going off. The emergency alert system started going off all over the world. She saw this in her vision. It was exceedingly detailed like the beginning of the movie War of the Worlds. So I've seen this happen time and time again. Now, let's circle back to Chicago. Okay, I have the radio station recording. The guy calls up a man, a man calls up, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the emergency commander, the head guy at the Indiana, Indiana it's actually the county that's right next to Chicago. Okay, and he's the guy that's in charge. Nobody's ahead of him. He is the man that is in charge. I don't know what they get, what title they give him. But anyway, he calls up a radio show. He doesn't give his name. And he's talking to them, and he explains to them that we, he's very, very deeply troubled. Because FEMA and the Department of Homeland Security, but primarily FEMA, has been calling him routinely, regularly, like every single week. And they've been asking him, where if we had 400,000 people walking into your county... And they were dropping over and dying, or whatever the case is. Where would you put the mass graves? Show us on your map. He, the, he said, if you needed to inoculate every single person in your county and all 400,000 of the people that are walking in from Chicago, if you had to inoculate them, would you be prepared to inoculate them? Do you have the facilities to inoculate them? Then he asked, then they asked, what about your fire stations? Have you hardened your fire stations? And he said, what do you mean, harden my fire stations? I don't even know what that means. And the FEMA guy says, well, you know, in case of heavy winds or something like that. Once I heard everything that the FEMA person was asking the, the EOC commander in Indiana, I put two and two together and I knew. They, they, now, they were debating whether or not it was uh, bird flu. You know, maybe this could be bird flu. But then why... With bird flu, would you need to harden a fire station against heavy winds? The only thing that met all the criteria, the inoculations, the mass graves, uh, uh, hardening of the fire stations and, the, and, and on all that, there's only one thing that does that, a nuclear bomb. Nothing else on the face of planet Earth that has even been thought of in the, in the wildest dreams of man can cause all that. Why would you have to inoculate everybody in the county because there was a nuclear bomb that went off? Because the fallout is going to hit them. They have to be inoculated with potassium iodide. Otherwise, they're, they're going to fail. They're going to get sick. They're going to die from the, nuclear, from the radiation poisoning. The people that are walking on foot are walking out of, a, out of a city that has just been nuked. They have no place to go. They're dropping like flies. They need mass graves. Okay, the reason why they have to harden the fire stations is because when anybody who has watched any of the nuclear test um, results, which I, was, I went through the Three Mile Island thing, and I'm intimately familiar with all of the nuclear stuff. I actually was evacuated during Three Mile Island, and, and it made me extremely interested in the subject, and I studied it for years and years. And years. But all that being said, those heavy winds are going to hit those emergency op the, the fire stations, the police stations, all of the, the first responders are all going to get taken out by those winds. So the, where am I heading with this? Get this, Rachel. So I'm, I'm bored you. one afternoon. I'm bored one afternoon. This is going to, this is going to make you make your eyes go. You're going to be like, get out. Okay, get ready for this. 
because now I'm going to tie a ribbon on the whole thing. So the movies are prophetic. I've got hundreds of them lined up, and I explain exactly why they're prophetic, and I point to the Bible scriptures to back it. Now, all that being said, one movie is on that list that is directly relevant to what you were shown. I did not intend to watch this movie. I was so bored, I could have just, I don't know, given myself a haircut or something. And I spot it on the list of movies, and I'm like, oh, well, that's a Mel Gibson movie. It's probably going to be pretty good. So um, I said, with it, I'm just going to go ahead and sit down and watch. I don't have anything better to do, and I got all my work done. So I hit play. The name of the movie was entitled The Edge of Darkness. As the plot unfolded, this police officer had a daughter. The daughter got a job out of college at a facility that people in the town in Massachusetts area or whatever didn't know much about, Boston, around Boston. It was just one of those places up on a hill with a bunch of security guards, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But they didn't really know some kind of fancy scientific name. Well, she got a job there. She took some time off of work. And there were some drive-by shootings, and they they killed one of the police officers. This guy, Mel, was playing a police officer in the movie. And they were trying to kill his daughter, actually, but they missed. The story unfolds, but here's the moral of the story. And it's a fantastic movie, and I'm not really – I'm not ruining it for anybody who wants to watch it. I'm really not. There's so much in the movie you're going to – you will still be blown away. But here's the amazing part. The reason why they wanted to kill his daughter, who worked at this top-secret facility in Boston, was because it was their job to break in to Iranian – or you know, I, I don't remember if they specifically said I, Iranian – but into Middle Eastern countries, steal their – engineering plans for the nuclear weaponry that they had created. Wow. And buy the buy the piece parts and the serial and everything pre-serialize it so that they were able to detonate nuclear bombs on United States territory and when the forensics teams went in and examined the the, the nuclear parts they would track directly back to Tehran. That was the plot wow. of the movie. And wow. what you just said is astonishing because it lines up prophetically to a T wow. with that I'll movie. I'll have to watch I that, The Edge of Darkness. Yeah. The Edge of Darkness with Mel Gibson. It will blow you away. I remember when yeah. I was watching that, you got I jumped out of my chair and I was like going, no way. I actually broke my, my my phone out of my pocket and turned on the video and I'm like filming my TV with my with my phone camera. Oh, I couldn't believe what you I was know, seeing. It was amazing. So I, I just want to offer one, one quick thing is that the I had a, an experience years back and specifically the Lord showed me that the Boucher – I heard a word, Kayed, and that the Boucher uh, nuclear power plant would be, um, would explode, would be targeted, would be bombed, or it would be an earthquake. It would either be man doing it or it would be the Lord doing it. There would be an earthquake that would cause the Boucher um, nuclear plant to, you know, blow up. 
Um, so I feel like there's just a series of events, you know, and, and whether it's false flag and points by Iran and then we attack Iran or I don't know, you know, how those things happen. But it's so interesting the way that Iran is just a part of all these things. Well, did you know that Dr. David Aurora, and this is another audio bite that I could play on the radio right now, but Dr. David Aurora, who um, he's an actual medical doctor. And he was called by the Lord to go work, do prophecy work in Cal- or, I'm sorry, in uh, Africa, and he set up his base in Kenya. And he's been um, doing Jesus is Lord radio from there for, wow, 15 years or more. Um, and he travels all over the world, uh, all over the world, and does these huge divine healing revivals. Um, spends, I think, the majority of his time, though, in Africa. I've seen a number of them. And he does. He gets. He gets a lot of really vivid visions. He saw North Korea sink a United States aircraft carrier and attack South Korea. That was one thing. That was back in 2010. I have that, a recording of that. Um, but he also saw two jets from Israel fly into Iran and shoot two tactical nuclear missiles at the base of the Fordow facility. That's where the centrifuges are. At the base of the Fordow facility. And he said, and it was a historic fire. It was the biggest fire the earth has ever seen. And he's like explaining this, you know, and so I don't know. He said, basically implied wow. that it was like two. It, he said it was two jets, IAF. Two tactical nukes shot into the base of the um, the mountain in, in Iran. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but in combination, I don't I don't know how much Biden has to, anything to do with it, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not the I'm not alone in this. I, there are literally dozens of people, and many of them from the White House, many of them from prior administrations that have come forward, and they are they they're very overt about it. That Obama is controlling the entire everything that's happening right now is Obama. None of it is Biden. Biden can barely put his pants on. And if it wasn't for Ritalin, I he couldn't speak that. at all. Oh, it's absolutely true. And, um, and, and Obama is running everything right now. And there's an Owalu prophecy all the way back to 1819, I think it is, or maybe something like that. But it, it's, it's around 1819. It's called the Owalu prophecy. It's known as the Son of Kenya prophecy. It says that there will be a man who rises up from the land of Kenya and he will uh, take over a position of power in the United States in, in America, and he will systematically destroy the country. That's from 1819. And that's exactly what we're seeing happening right now. And um, But anyway, uh, when you look at all these things, what you, what you were shown – you know what what Aurora was shown did you know that there have been not one but over at least two possibly more F35 sortie missions where Israel flew for practice sake F35s into Iran all the way up to the Fordow facility turned around and came back and they did it just to see if the Russian and Iranian anti-air radar systems would be able to detect them, and they failed to detect the F-35s. Why did they do that? 
because they are preparing to attack Iran. When Netanyahu said, this is Israel's 9-11, that was code word. What was the purpose of 9-11 in the United States? To bring us into war. Thank you. And what is the purpose of 9-11? Look, everybody knows that there's no way, no way, that the Israeli Mossad signal intelligence missed this event. No way. There are Mossad, I'm sorry, there are IDF uh, soldiers coming forward all over the Internet now saying there is no way. No way. This was a surprise. No way. And they're saying all over the news, this is Israel's 9-11. The Ukraine failed to pull Russia into war. Putin wouldn't fall for it. And you've got Lindsey Graham screaming bloody murder, level Iran, bomb Iran, level Iran, bomb Iran. We're probably weeks away from a hot war with Iran. Probably. No guarantees. But can you imagine the domino effect that's going to occur at that point? It's going to be very significant. Your World War III vision and what you were shown is today. It's, you know, does it mean it's not six months from now? You know, what I'm saying is the season, we're like deep into the season. We're there. It's just a matter of exactly when. And, I, and you know, what I, my recommendation to people is don't get <clears> – <throat> It was a prophecy by uh, Brother Dan of God's Healer 7, and the Lord spoke through him and said, stop, you know, he wanted, he, his, he, I could play it, but I'm not going to. But he basically said, our Heavenly Father spoke through him and he said, watch the events. Watch the events and map them back to the Bible. Watch the events unfold. In other words, he was admonishing us to, you know, instead of sitting there and saying, well, I assume that a generation is 80 years and 1948 Israel was established and I'm going to do 80, 80, 88 and I'm going to calculate out when something's going to happen. Well, I've seen hundreds of people do that and they all failed. Um, so anyway, I was I got a lot of peace from the from Brother Dan prophesying that we were to watch the events. And right now we're watching those events unfold. Your vision of getting of us getting drug into World War Three, we need a Pearl Harbor event. We need it. Now, I don't mean you need it and I need it and the body of Christ needs it. That's not my point. What I'm saying is for the Bible prophecies to come true. Every single thing that's mentioned in the Olivet Discourse right now, you can check the box. Everything. The, there's a couple of things that are kind of dangling, but even where it says when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, be warned. What do we see right now? Millions of people in Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, all over the world surrounding Israel. Now I'm talking about the Middle Eastern countries. There's millions of people in the streets. Millions of people in the streets. Does an army have to have a tank? Does an army need a howitzer? What's the definition of an army? Are we're these millions of people that are surrounding Israel right now? Who are they? Are we fulfilling those prophecies now? I don't know. 
But I will say this. I believe that what the Lord has shown you may be one, if not the most significant um, event of all of these put together. There's a big tapestry of the story that we cannot put our fingers on exactly as far as the order and precisely when. But what the Lord showed you regarding Miami, Chicago, when you put it all together, oh my goodness, are we close. I mean, we are close. 9-11, bombing of the Fort Dow facility in Iran, multiple uh, leaders in the United lawmakers in the United States screaming for bombing of Iran. This is all about Iran. This is all, and guess what? Guess who's the, great, the best friend of Iran right now? Russia. I don't know how many thousands of deadly um, kamikaze drones that were given from Iran to Russia. I mean, they are like friends, really close friends. Um, so I, I, anyway, I just wanted to say, you know, I didn't mean for that to be such a lengthy, but I did really want people to be able to understand all these events are coming. They're gelling together into this perfect storm that all leads to World War III, that all leads to all these things coming to pass. And it can happen on, well, really short notice. And what the Lord showed you, I would, I would strongly argue, may be the most, or at least one of the most, but I feel is the most, most, the most important of them all, because it is the Pearl Harbor that the forces of darkness need. It's the Pearl Harbor that will jettison the entire world into the completion of Bible prophecy prior to the day of the Lord and prior to the Great Tribulation. And that Amen. is huge. Amen. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody Amen. tell everybody your YouTube channel, how can they get in touch with you, all those kinds of details. Will you share that with everyone so that they can learn more? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so uh, my YouTube just Rachel. If you search up Rachel Baxter, um, you should be able to find my YouTube channel. And I, I uh, have a, a little blog that I do on. It's called Scroll and Fig Leaf. Um, just the Lord had shown me some scriptures around that and some experiences. One of my sons had uh, with uh, seeing a, a fig leaf fall from his forehead, and the Lord saying, "You know, this is the generation that will see these things fulfilled." And so. Um, you know, that's uh, a good way. And then I, I usually am pretty good about making sure I post it on Z3 News. James Bailey has always been so good uh, to be, allow me that opportunity to do that. And so one one thing I will um, just, just share with you is that, yeah, I mean, it's, this is all about the time of Jesus' return. It's all about us preparing our hearts for that and about being the remnant of his people that will return to him in every way possible. And we've got to be prepared to let of our, our comfortable living and our, you know, our American ways and return to his ways and to be his people and to go where he'll tell us to go for safety and, um, you know, be prepared for what's coming. So thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity tonight, John. Bless you. Bless you too. Thank you so much. This has been, um, Kind of like what I, I like to call metaphorically the sprinkles on the cupcake. So thank you so much. God bless you for joining us tonight, Sister Rachel. It was a very, very powerful program. And, um, you know, 
we just pray in Jesus' name that you are blessed beyond measure. And uh, not just now, but for the days to come. And, you know, thank you again for joining us tonight. God bless you. Thanks so much. Bless you too. Bye. All right, bye. All right, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Um, we are going to, let's see, we're down to 27, 25, 20, 25, 26 minutes left. Um, I will real real quickly go through a couple of the things that we have. Let's see, we got 25 minutes left. Might as well go ahead and run it, run down the last couple of headlines. All right, so um, anyway, there's a couple of comedy breaks in here. I think we could all use a little bit of a comedy, <laughs> a little bit of chuckling uh, in the midst of all of this um, creepy weirdness going on. Um, but anyway, uh, this is Matt G- Gates, and um, uh, this guy, his name is uh, Ron Filipkowski, and uh, he's being uh, – I don't know exactly who's questioning him in the congressional halls, but let's just listen to this. I think this is um, – it's worth a smile. So anyway, let's go ahead and play this. There's another one, too, coming up, so hang in there if you need a smile. Praise God. All right, here we go. safe to say that based off of your comments, you're suggesting that these women at these abortion rallies are ugly and overweight? Yes. What do you say to people who think that those comments are offensive? Be offended. Is it safe so that's a uh, classic Matt Gates. Um, be offended. Uh, that reminds me. I have to. I have to smile because um, I used to have a little sign I printed out and put up in my cubicle years and years and years ago when I worked for a Fortune 100 company, <clears throat> and it said, "Join our club." The name of the club is P O O P. People offended by offended people. Right. right, kids, people offended by offended people. All right. All right, next one up. Hallelujah. Here we go. Hey, what's the matter with that? There we go. Calls for attacks in the United States are um, intensifying. Local and federal law officials and agencies across the United States are stepping up their patrols, uh, you know, of Jewish houses and uh, houses of worship uh, and diplomatic buildings and many other places as well. So anyway, uh, that is something that, of course, they're going to continue to prime. They're going to prime that pump, if you will, for a little while longer. Now, this guy is funny. Okay, now I I do not know, and I apologize in advance if he uses any. So, so moms, dads out there, <coughs> excuse me, warn your kids that they need to keep their hands over. The, you know that we need might need a kitty filter. I don't remember if this guy uses any colorful language or not. I just don't remember. But what he says is, well, it's not only is it kind of funny, but it's like super duper sort of true too. All right. So anyway, he's he. I, I think he's responding to the threat of the uh, um, uh, October thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth, jihad thing. So anyway, let's listen to this. It's pretty. I think it's pretty funny. I just hope he doesn't let one rip. America, most powerful country on this planet, and it's not because we have more money or we're better looking. No, it's because we have something in this country they don't have in other countries. That's right. I'm talking about rednecks. Good old boys with an arsenal in their basement that have been waiting for just such an occasion since 1775. Oh, 
world, believe me, foreign troops land in the south. There'll be a line of pickup trucks and NASCARs heading down I-95. Marines will show up three hours later, nothing but beer cans and shotgun shells. What the hell happened here? War's over, baby! All right. So anyway, I thought that might give you a little smile. Although we are not from here, our citizenship is in heaven. But things like this are going to be happening, folks. Man, we where, where would the bride? Let me ask you a question. Here's your quiz, and I've already answered this in prior shows. But think about it. Where would the bride, when all these things are happening, where's the bride of Jesus Christ? She's on her knees praying. Yeah. So when the raving bands of Crazy, you know, like it says in Psalm 91, you know, the perilous pestilence walking through the night and all that, and it will not come near you. Be sure you're on your knees praying because it won't come near you if you are. Praise God. All right. Jordanian police repel protesters running for Israel. And sure enough, uh, after the call for Friday the 13th jihad, uh, that's exactly what was happening. It was all over the Internet, and there were videos of it, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people from uh, Jordan, where, by the way, in Amman, Jordan, which is some distance away from the border, uh, there were, I, I don't know, it looked to me like it had to be at least a half a million, maybe three-quarter of a million, maybe over a million people gathered in this streets in support of Hamas and Gaza. All right. So again, um, what, what, what is the definition of an army? I don't know. Uh, do I think that this is the eminent? I, I just had a conversation with my sister and boy, oh boy, I am impressed. This afternoon I had a, confirma- confirma- or a conversation with my sister Marilyn and she is, something happened. I don't know if some divine entity or Jesus himself showed up in her or or the Holy Spirit just made her. Oh, I don't know. But she now gets it. She gets it. Okay, so she knows that it is very imminent that the Antichrist is going to be revealed. She just doesn't know who it is. My mom told me my mom did not tell her. Kind of wish she, my mom did tell her and my other sister, then I wouldn't have to. But, but you know what? God's revealing it to him little by little anyways. Every time I talk to him, I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is coming out of their mouth. They actually know what's going on. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So just have the faith, continue to praise God and believe. All right. This is 44 seconds from Colonel Douglas McGregor regarding his opinion as a military expert who is behind Hamas, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. All right. So let's take a quick listen to his commentary regarding this. The Middle East is not the Middle East that it was 20 years ago. And this is a, a, an ugly event. But if the Israelis go in there and ethnically cleanse Gaza, throwing all of these millions of people under the bus, so to say, especially in the onset of winter, it'll, it'll never completely happen because the region will go to war with them. And everybody keeps focusing on Iran. As, as uh, Sullivan said, they had no role in triggering this. We need to understand that Qatar funds Hamas, not Iran. And then secondly, Qatar. Qatar also funds Turkey. And the Turks are the real power. That's the 800-pound gorilla in the corner in the Middle East. The Middle East is not the Middle East that it was 20 years ago. All right, so you heard that. According to Colonel Douglas McGregor, the hand-chosen military advisor to the Donald Trump presidency, 
um, who, by the way, has never once been even marginally wrong with the things that were happening in the Ukraine. The whole time he's been right on it. Uh, and uh, you know what? I believe him. But, you know, it's irrelevant, really, when you think about it. I could play, you know, they've been after Iran. Iran, Iran has been on their uh, list of the evil Axie now for, like, ever. All right. Um, and, again, listen to this little clip. This is uh, Anthony Blinken, one of the other shape-shifting reptilians that is run, operating in the government. But, anyway, let's listen to his little comment about 9-11 and Israel. All right. Very telling Illuminati talk. First, let me say this with regard to uh, 9-11. If you look at this in proportion to the size of Israel's population, this is the equivalent of 10 9-11s. All right. You heard it from. (laughs) Now, you know, if you again, if you apply your Illuminati speak, uh, you know, universal translator, consider what that actually translates into. Huh? Huh? Yeah. It is. I know. It's big. All right. Hezbollah, another headline here. Thank you. Hezbollah, many missile attacks and drone attacks by Israel into South, you know, Lebanon. So, again, what's important to remember is Hamas is being, according to Douglas McGregor, is being funded heavily by Qatar. Okay, not Iran, although everybody wants you to believe it's Iran. And, you know, and it gets very confusing, I admit. But we also got Hezbollah, who is, they're definitely funded by Iran, as far as I know. And they operate out of South Lebanon. All right. Are you following along? Well, there's been much to do and much stated that if anything happens with, you know, if, if the war escalates from Hezbollah into, uh, uh, you know, Israel, okay, then then that is supposedly this, you know, flag that they're waving where it says, okay, all hands on deck now. We all jump in and do whatever it is they're going to do or whatever, what they're claiming to do. All right. So we'll see if anything happens. But right now there are skirmishes taking place. It's very important to, to recognize. Because it is a trigger event that many have identified overtly as such, okay, that could lead to a massive escalation in the in the war dynamics associated with Israel. And they're already uh, uh, flying sorties in and, and blowing up the uh, airfields all around uh, Damascus right now in preparation. Don't, there was there were so many there were millions. I, I guess it was millions. It sure looked like a million to me. I don't know how many people were in the streets of Iraq. Uh, protesting. I mean, every single country that surrounds uh, Israel right now has got hundreds and 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 hundreds of thousands of people in the streets. So again, you know, at what point does that prophecy in the Bible come true? Where it says in Luke 21, verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that desolation is near. Okay, and it says, you know, for these days, because these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Okay, and remember when Jesus was reading the Isaiah scroll, he, he stopped right before the days of vengeance. Wow. Okay, so it all links right together. It says, woe to those who are pregnant in those days. It goes on, there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away to captive, of, uh, you know, away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the, that the Gentiles are fulfilled. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the, that the Gentiles will be fulfilled. What is the definition of an army? Does it have to have tanks and howitzers? 
Does three million people charging into a, with pocket knives qualify as an army? What do you got to have to have an army? Hmm. A lot of questions bubble up in my head. Makes me wonder. Another report says Hezbollah statement at 3.15 p.m. today, I'm sorry, this was yesterday, Saturday, 10.14, says groups of Islamic resistance attacks uh, attacked the Zionist positions in the occupied Lebanese Sheba farms. Al-Radar, uh, Ruswat al-Alam, al-Samaka, and Zibidin, or Zibdin. Okay, Ramath, another one called Ramatha, and the guided missiles and mortar shells and inflicting precise direct hits on them. Okay, another report here says that Department of Homeland Security, uh, this is very troubling, very troubling indeed. Okay, do we know for sure if this is true? No, we don't. The Department of Homeland Security is to begin flying in Palestinian refugees as early as next week, according to this report. Do I trust this report? No. But do I know that Ron DeSantis has publicly stated in one of his get-togethers, rallies, whatever you want to call them, he publicly stated that he completely and categorically disagrees that the United States should bring any Palestinian uh, refugees into this country. Now, why did Ron DeSantis say that publicly in front of people at these different speaking engagements that he was at if he wasn't privy to the fact that they were planning on doing it in the first place. And now this guy, he calls himself iSource News, is claiming that according to unnamed sources, the flights will originate from Egypt with the agency doing everything they can to keep them secret. If they fly... Palestinian Hamas sympathizers into this country, Billy and Omar is going to look like your best Easter buddy friend. You're going to want her to help you find Easter eggs for your kids. I'm I'm joking. Okay, it's tongue-in-cheek, but I'm just saying. The situation is, if that happens, folks, there are going to be, the, the whole call for jihad, this nonsense. Look, if there were really sleeper cells, Hamas sleeper cells, all over this country, do you think for a moment that they wouldn't have reacted to the call for Friday the 13th? Uh, No, maybe they are there. Maybe they were just disobedient. Maybe they were too drunk. Maybe they were watching porno movies. I don't know why nothing happened, but it was a dud. Now, if they fly Palestinians that are very sympathetic to Hamas, and hate Israel's guts, and I guarantee you, they hate the Americans' guts just as much as they hate Israel's guts. As a matter of fact, graffiti on the walls of Israel, even today, say, first the Saturday people, then the Sunday people. They hate our guts. And if they fly plane loads of these folks over to this country, fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. All right, another uh, headline. FBI Director Ray is warning of more attacks. FBI Director is ominously warning that there is a rising number of terror threats against the United States. The biggest of concerns involves potential lone wolves pulling off Hamas copycat attacks here. What does that mean? Are they going to blow up entire malls? We don't know. 
We also know that no longer is it just the Gerald or, uh, R. Ford aircraft carrier and strike force. No, no. It's much more than that. They have just brought in the Dwight D. Eisenhower USCVN69 aircraft carrier and their strike force. They got two Ticonderoga-class cruisers, the Normandy and the Philippine Sea. They got seven Arleigh Burke-class destroyers, the USS Thomas, the USS Rampage, the Kearney, the Roosevelt, the Laboon, the Mawson, and the Gravely. They got one Type 45 air defense destroyer, HS, HMS Duncan. They got five fast frigates, ESPS Mendez, the Shearcoat, uh, the Cairo, the Uves, and the Pasara. Uh, and they got two landing uh, support ships, RFA Lime Bay and the RFA Argus. By the way, those ships are what carry the Marine to the land for a landing. Okay, a direct attack on the land. Another report reads, tens of thousands, tens of thousands rally around the world against Israelis' Gaza bombardment. Now, I believe that the number tens of thousands is irreflective and inaccurate characterization of the numbers that I saw over the weekend. The numbers that I saw were clearly well over a million, possibly millions. Okay? Again, um, there's some, been some reports that they've been using some uh, directed energy weapons. They called it the Iron Beam, like the Iron Dome, but the Iron Beam Laser. They supposedly had some footage. I looked at it. It was interesting. But then there was a subsequent report that came out from uh, the IDF and the IAF that said, no, 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 we're not using those weapons now, okay. Uh, also, Gaza power plants were shut down uh, a, uh, after running out of fuel during an Israeli blockade. Um, uh, we also know that uh, Netanyahu has turned on the water in the southern part of Gaza, but this was done to lure. They dropped uh, probably millions of leaflets. Who, who knows how many exactly? Warning people in Gaza to move from the northern end of Gaza to the southern end of Gaza. But they're very concerned because there's a lot of hospitals that are saying we can't move these people, we can't move these people, and people are freaking out all over the place, but the, what they did was they turned on the water at the southern half of Gaza, and they said, hey, everybody, if you want to get a drink of water, you got to go to the southern side of Gaza, because we're going to launch a, a land and air uh, offensive against the northern end of Gaza, which, by the way, is where Hamas has the vast majority of its missile launchers, never mind that they have the, also the vast majority of their military equipment, missiles, and, and et cetera, et cetera, and their command and control centers located underground. Okay, which, by the way, does not get affected by even, uh, you know, uh, mother of all bombs, you know, air bombs. Okay, they don't affect the underground uh, um, uh, tunnels. Okay, that's just the way it is. And it's, it, according to the experts, which I was doing a little bit of research on, they say that there's no winning a battle against an enemy that has set up a good tunneling system. And according to this military experts' analysis, Hamas's underground tunneling system is second to none. Second to none. Imagine a, several platoons of Israeli IDF forces moving through this tunnel. It's a trap. They go charging around the corner, they come up on a room, they go into the open room, they throw a flash grenade in there, and then they go in there charging left to the right to the left to the right, and they got their night vision goggles on, and then all of a sudden the, the attack comes. It's going to be a wholesale slaughter. 
at least according to the people, the experts on tunnel warfare that I was looking into over the weekend. Thank you, Brother Russ, for presenting that uh, video evidence and that expert's dissertation on the futility of uh, tunnel warfare. Okay, another headline. Israel says no iron laser was used, according to Israel. So is it true? We don't know. Uh, Were those videos altered? Could they have been? Yes, they could have. Okay, this is uh, also, just again, uh, I have an audio bite of IBM Director Ray, who is some kind of evil, if there ever was. And um, this entity is out there warning everybody, watch out, watch out, because there's going to be lone actors. We don't need to wholesale to do really bad things. You know, again, I don't know. We don't know. They've done this so many times, folks, in the last 12 years. I've had to eat some. Look, Jade 12. I'm sorry, Jade Helm 2012. Jade Helm 2012. For any of us who have been around at all, Jade Helm 2012. Every single person on the Internet was absolutely convinced that it was the predecessor to World War III breaking loose in this country. I saw endless, endless, endless YouTube videos of 20, 30, 40 miles of flatbed trains carrying tanks, carrying uh, Red Cross trucks, carrying howitzers, you name it. Everybody's going, this is it, this is it, this is it, Jade 12, 20, you know, Jade Helm 2012. Anybody who was around during that time remembers it very well. You could not escape it. And nothing happened. Do I believe that nothing's going to happen for very much longer? Absolutely not. Next one up. Israeli blames government for Hamas massacre, says Netanyahu must resign his poll. Don't see that happening. No, no, that's not going to happen. No, no when you have um, Trudeau stand, you know, in front of the entire world praising Israel, telling them, yes, you know, wipe out Gaza, wipe out Hamas, and you know he's like, you know, hand-chosen best friends, chummy-wummy with, like, Klaus Schwab, please? You understand the motivation of all of them, don't you? I hope you do, because if you don't, you're missing basic critical analysis skills. When you see all of the enemies of the world, all the people backing the global reset, all of the George Soros's, all of the big new Brzezinski's, all of the Trudeau's, all of these entities from the bowels of Sheol coming forward and publicly congratulating Israel and telling them to level Hamas and to go after Iran, guess what? The only thing you should be hearing in your head is this. All right. We should all be hearing that sound because that's how close we are. Israel, and to, to Sister Rachel's point, this is a great time. I say this all the time, folks, but we should all be drawing closer, intimately, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, spending time, taking communion in the morning, praying for the lost, praying for our loved ones, praying for one another every morning. Now's the time. Actually, the time was years ago, but it's not too late now. Thank you, Jesus. What a merciful father that we have because that – do you know how many years, for 12 years, I've been listening to people that have been claiming to hear from the Lord saying, 
The ARC door is closing. The ARC door has closed. I ha- listened to so many. I pr- if I had a if I had a widow's might for every time somebody who supposedly was hearing from God tell us on even on this radio show in 2011, 2012, 2013 that the ARC door was closing. Fill in the blanks. Praise God. Israel drone attacking Hezbollah in South Lebanon. So now Israel's bringing in drones, and they are attacking Hezbollah. Do you think Hezbollah is going to return the fire? What kinds of equipment do you believe that Iran, and remember that Hezbollah and Iran, now that is a close connection. What's, how much is it going to escalate? Wouldn't it be ideal if the goal was to attack Iran? Wouldn't it be ideal if Hezbollah launched an all-out, full-scale, Iran-funded attack directly from Lebanon against Israel? Would that not fit the master plan perfectly? I submit that it probably would. But none of us know exactly how this is going to unfold. Only our Heavenly Father. Praise Jesus. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us tonight. We'll see you at the Wednesday night program, 7 p.m., Lord willing. And again, thank you, Sister Rachel, for joining us tonight. What a powerful, powerful program. Thank you all. God bless you all. Thank you for your prayers. Pray for one another. Pray for the lost. We are running out of time. And that's a really good thing. Thank you, Jesus.
Children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. 